What really gets my dick hard is... What? Welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast. I'm Ethan Luck. And I'm Clint Wells. And this is episode number 63. And uh, this week... Is our uh, much anticipated interview with uh, Wayne Summers? Yeah, we got to sit down with our new friend Wayne. Uh, you're going to hear a whole interview with him. What he's famous for in the Metallica pantheon of fans is he he's a big collector. He found the master, the missing Master of Puppets backdrop, missing since the 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 tour before Cliff passed away. Yeah, and uh, he returned it to the band a few years ago. We got the whole lowdown on that whole thing. But first, we have to talk about if you're hearing this now, it's been a really exciting last few days because yeah. Metallica have been teasing their North American Arena tour. Correct, yeah. So uh, we'll go ahead and read the dates. Now, these are just the sort of the teased dates. We, we Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you've already, it's already confirmed. But Yeah, by the time you're hearing this, it's, it's hopefully confirmed. And, and you know, over the course of this weekend, you know, they teased it. And then different arenas in different cities would tweet about it or just tweet, uh, tweet the teaser the or teaser something. Like video. Bridgestone here in Nashville did it. So it's like, okay, clearly they're playing Nashville. We just don't know when. So. It's cool. It's a, lot of, it's a lot of markets. I mean, it looks like they're going to be busy. It's Albany, Birmingham, Boise, Idaho, Buffalo, Charlotte, Cincinnati, Cleveland, El Paso, Texas, Fresno, Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota, Grand Rapids, Michigan, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Las Vegas, Lincoln, Nebraska, Louisville, Lubbock, Texas, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Nashville, North Little Rock, North Little Rock, North Little Rock, <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh, Portland, Raleigh, North Carolina, Sacramento, Salt Lake City, Saskatoon, Sioux Falls, Spokane, Tulsa, University Park, Pennsylvania, Wichita, and Winnipeg. Mm, that's a lot. And I'm sure there'll be more, too. So Ethan and I, we were talking just actually before we started rolling that... Uh, Assuming that our tour schedules work out, we're definitely going to hit Nashville, at, uh, Nashville, Birmingham, and Louisville, and, and maybe Cincinnati too. Perhaps Cincinnati, and then we're hoping that um, they're not represented here, but hopefully there's a New York or a New Jersey show. Yeah, because we'd love to do our party. We've been talking about you know numerous times on episodes. So that's exciting. Very exciting. I mean, and an arena thing. So like the setup they got going on now with those big cubes that go up and down and all the drones and mm-hmm. stuff. Like I would love to see that. And I think even this far into the worldwide tour, we we saw in Europe on the arena tour some different slots more rotating songs yeah i think they may even be pull out be pulling out more deep cuts yeah i think we're gonna get a, a less safe set list yeah which is i'm everything i've seen on all these european dates whenever they post a set list at the end of the show it's like gosh i wish i could have seen eye of the beholder or whatever they're doing you know i do want to see spit out the bone agreed i think that's i think that's staying in there. and we still haven't heard here comes revenge or am i savage yeah or murder one right dude so, this uh, i love to see spit out the bone live i know me be too. awesome um, so yeah, that's that's super exciting news. Obviously, uh, and and again, you're listening to this. We've we've probably already confirmed dates. So, yay! <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I can't believe it! Yeah! Oh my gosh! So the iTunes contest. We do this every month. Every month we pick five winners. All you got to do is leave us a positive review on iTunes. We put your name into a hat. 
It's not a hat. It's a Voss. It's a skull Voss. It's a Voss, We yeah. pull the names out, and we give you free stuff for the month of February to celebrate our Cover Our World Blackened EP Volume 1. Ethan and I covered some Metallica songs exclusively for our patrons, but we want other people to hear it, and we thought it'd be a fun idea to do a gift. So uh, we, we drew 10 names for this, since it's a download. Yep. If you hear your name read or your iTunes user account moniker, send us an email in the subject line that says iTunes Contest, and we will get you that download. I'll read the first five. Ethan will read the next five. Here are the winners. Will Valor, who left a review on May 25th last year. Mictalica60, left his review uh, on August 22nd. Pissa. Bill Pissa. <laughs> five, uh, May 23rd. Krico22, who left the review on December 21st. And Atlas Rising 81 who left his review on January 11th this year. Awesome. And our next five are Robert Frankensteel, who left his review on um, November 7th of last year. From Australia. Australia, mate. Good on ya. Gonna get a nice crikey download. <laughs> a crikey download. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Drog48 uh, left the review on October 1st, 2017. From Canada. From Canada, eh? Um, uh, Dolphin, Dolphinkin? Dolphin, Dolphinkin? I guess so. Something like that. Uh, on January 1st, or, sorry, January 7th of this year from the US. Swing and a Drive on November 20th, 2017 from the United States. And Mick Mike 73 posted their review on November 20th of last year from All the right. U.S. Thank so you, you, guys. you are the winners. Go send us that email. We'll get you a copy of our EP, and it's really that simple. It's so easy. Next month, we're going to go back to actually giving out prizes. We've got the Kill em All vinyl, Ride the Lightning fleece blanket, a Pusshead hockey puck, and other things. That lots, of good, lots of good Metallica-related things. Good, speaking of this Canada thing, I watched that uh, Yoga Hosers Kevin Smith movie last night. I haven't seen it. It's pretty rough. Really? It's, it stars Kevin Smith's daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter. Uh, okay. And they work in a convenience store, and the premise is these uh, Nazi sausages have are, are wreaking havoc. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> it really does. That sounds that sounds amazing, but it's not good. Well, it's I think it's good if you're in real deep with Kevin Smith. It's, right, it's a yeah. movie for his people. I love Kevin Smith movies. I do too. Um, based well, based upon your short review, though, I don't know if I'll be seeing that movie. Well, do you like um? Well, so obviously, Clerks is huge. Sure, Mallrats yeah. huge. Chasing Amy. Those was when I was growing up. That was like a trifecta of Yo, those amazing great, yeah. sort of you know alt culture films. Yeah. Then we get you know it starts to sway off for me. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. That was all right. Clerks two, I didn't like very much. I didn't, yeah, I didn't love that they did a sequel to that. He's made a couple of really cool horror movies. Have you oh seen yeah, these? Red State and uh, Tusk. I haven't seen them. Here's the premise of Tusk: uh, a dude captures another dude and turns him into a walrus. Interesting. Okay, I'm down. It's amazing. You look. If you can't see Clint's face, but he looks really excited about this movie. So well, I'll, what a I'll have great premise! Tusk. I know it turns it into a walrus, and they show it. I mean, they, they don't. They pull no punches. He yeah. turns this motherfucker into a walrus. That's awesome. Like, <laughs> it makes him fight like another walrus. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a comedy. Anyway, I did want to mention a few podcasts that we listened to. This new Sabbath Bloody podcast, the Black Sabbath podcast. The dude who reached out to us. Yeah, he, he's a big fan of our show. I checked out his show. Pretty good. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, this dude, it's just him. And he sort of, the few episodes I've heard, he's just walking you through their history. He plays interviews and clips from people around the band. Very cool. And he's got a pretty funny vibe. It's cool to listen to a podcast, especially about a specific band and music. They're putting in that kind of time and those little extra little clips and things like that. You know, um, we do that all the time, obviously, with, with, depending on the subject. Um, but yeah, it's always encouraging to hear where it's, it's not just, you know, someone just going, okay, so um, this is about Black Sabbath. And, you know, it's like Ozzy. And, right. and then at one point it was like Ryan James Dio. You know, it's right. it's encouraging to it's hear a 25 a second show. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's it. 
<laughs> podcast over. And I wanted to mention there's a new Metallica podcast called Metallicast. And I've listened to that dude's stuff. He's a music teacher from, I think, Boston. And, uh, you know, good God, how many of these are there now? But I don't know. <laughs> I lost count. <laughs> the official Metal Up Your Podcast stance on all these dudes is that we support anyone who wants to take the time and sit down and talk about our favorite metal band. Of course, yeah. Doing these shows isn't easy, so we want to support all of them. Of course, Alpha Metallica, Metallichat. Our Speak friend, and Destroy. Our friend Ryan Downey at Speak and Destroy. Is there another one we're leaving out? Metallichat? Did, we, did you mention that? I think I did. Uh, I th- so I think maybe that's it. Let's just say that's it. Okay. <laughs> you hear to hear first. Well, that's it for today. That's it for today. Well, by tomorrow. the time we get home, there will be seven more. <clears throat> of course, uh, Single Podcast Theory, our friends, Pearl Jam Podcast. Yeah. And Podcast Rock City, the my favorite KISS podcast. And then also, there's a really cool podcast of these uh, these uh, musicians, and I think they're hip-hop artists in Richmond, Virginia. They're fans of our show for, uh, somehow. That's awesome. Uh, but I've been dipping into their show. They kind of do an arts and culture podcast. They talk cool. about movie. They talked about Fergie doing the National Anthem. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're all really funny and uh, big music fans, so I wanted to just shout out all those. What about you? Any podcasts? Yeah, well, you forgot to mention the name of their show, The Hustle Season. Oh, The Hustle Season. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just going to have you guys all guess out of all 30 million <laughs> podcasts out there which one I was talking exactly. about. Um, I actually started dipping in, you know, uh, you know this, maybe our listeners don't other than my Hulk Hogan impression, but <laughs> I'm still a wrestling fan, you know, I mean, I don't watch every Monday or whatever, but I started listening to the Colt Cabana podcast called okay. the art of wrestling. He was, uh, used to be in WWE and I listened to it because he had CM Punk on it and he went through his whole story about like getting screwed by the WWE and, and him leaving the company and he technically got fired. It was a very fascinating story with this dude and how hard he worked to build up that career. But yeah, the art of wrestling with Colt Cabana, it's really, if you like wrestling, it's a really good I podcast. I was really into it for a couple of years when it was the WWF and the WCW. Oh, Monday Night Wars, yeah. And there was the NWO and Sting oh, yeah. and Diesel. And Hollywood Hogan. They were doing, a, what was the Thursday Night thing called? Uh, Thursday the, Night Thunder? Uh, they, there was a Monday Night were, Raw. yeah. And then there was like Thursday Thunder, Monday Monday Nitro, Monday Night. That was the WCW. Was WCW, and then well, then eventually they did WWE uh, SmackDown on okay. th- th- I think Thursdays. Okay, cool. <clears throat> but I still dip into it, you know. Like I got Hulu, so like I'll watch. Like they they always post like a kind of a cut down version of it. It's three hours long now. Wow, it's really long. So I don't usually watch TV for more than three hours at any point. Right. Um, Unless I'm on tour or something, I have a day off. But uh, so yeah, the Hulu version's nice because it's like they kind of pull out stuff, maybe stuff that didn't go over so well or something. I've been trying to watch Lawrence of Arabia because it's like generally considered one of the greatest movies of all time. But that three and a half hour running time, I'll pull it up and I'm like, God damn it, three yeah, and a half geez. hours. I'll finish this in a month. I don't think any movie I want to watch for that long. Other than the Tom Petty documentary. Other than that. That's, which, which I kind of broke that up probably. I don't know if I watched that in one sitting. I, the first time I watched it, it was, watched one, it it was one, one sitting. sitting. Yeah. Damn. Uh, well, it was a flight, so I had, no, I had nowhere to go. Okay, right. <laughs> literally was, one sitting. Literally one sitting. I didn't get up to go to the bathroom or anything. Anyway, um, those, are our, those are some of the podcasts we like. Any other ones? Yeah, go check them out. Uh, well, the Cole Cabana ones are just the most recent I've been listening okay. to. Of course, there's like the Nerdist I love. Uh, Joe Rogan's is awesome. Yep. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there. And, and, and it's just fun sometimes just to go onto iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. I've been using Overcast lately. I'll use um, Overcast too. You know why? Because you can. Overcast has this great feature where it automatically speeds up any spaces. Awesome, love so, it. I didn't know that. But it, and it, but it does it like in a smart way. Like it, you can set it to move fast. Like you can set it like t- twice the speed, and sure. it just always does that. What Overcast does is it's normal until there's a space, and it just cuts that space. Oh, out. that's pretty cool. Yeah. So if someone's listening on Overcast right now, we're going to be quiet for like five seconds and see if it works. Hello, mate. 
Well, wow, overcast. <laughs> um, okay, anyway, so cool. yeah, go check out this podcast if you want. We also have some new patrons this week we want to shout out. We have Vanna Carpenter and Ken Holmes. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, we, we appreciate you guys. We love that you're supporting us. It, uh, as, as you know, it helps everything. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Patreon later. Yeah. Uh, we, we're on all the socials. Our goddamn, our socials have been blowing up. Yeah. Um, one of our patrons named Benjamin, he's been doing a Metallica shirt a day. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. He's got some. He's got some great old shit, like real shit from the Damage Justice tour. He's got the Sabbath True shirt, a lot of Pusshead awesome. stuff. He's been posting on there every day and tagging us in it. We're on Instagram and Facebook, and that's kind of where you can keep up with our merch. Our web. Yeah. We have this new website that we're real stoked about. MetalUpYourPodcast.com. Yeah, you can get. We we just got a new batch of t-shirts in black and and limited white. Limited white. We're actually we only have like three of those left. Okay, so go the, to go to podcast.com. We have we have that merch. We got buttons. We got stickers. Yeah. All that stuff. The cool thing about the new batch of shirts is that we got um, large, extra larges, and double X large, which a lot of people have been requesting. Yes. So, we have all those sizes for you folk out there. Go check it out. We read a handful of emails on every show because we're trying to cultivate a community of Metallica. We love hearing the stories. We love giving you guys a voice on the show. Having said that, let's get into the emails. Let's do it. All right, our first email is from St. Matthew regarding where the wild things are. Ooh, here we go, Clint. Um, no, Clint, he doesn't sing, you swing your ass around. He says, you swing your rattle down. But no worries, I misheard the same thing for so long. I was shocked to hear you mishear the lyric the same way. Anyways, great episode. As usual, never, never a waste of time to sit down and listen to a new episode in full. Peace. I was shocked to hear that you got it dead wrong, just like I did. Just like I did. It does sound like he says, you swing your ass around. I'm, I'm relieved to see that it's not that lyric. I am too. I'm very relieved, but it's also, you know, there's something fun about music when, you know, it's like that, what's that book, the misheard lyrics, whatever it's called. Oh yeah. The, excuse me while I kiss this guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that stuff's fun to me. So if you get it wrong, I whatever. I it's, can't think it's of any hilarious. big ones that I used to get wrong. I used to have a really funny one for the song Jeremy by Pearl Jam, but I can't remember what it was. <laughs> uh, me and my friends used to say, Jeremy's smoking grass today. <laughs> smoking grass, grass today. today. All right. Steamroller action. We haven't heard from him in a while. He says, guys, it was fun hearing you all together for this ultra-significant song. He's, of course, talking about Ethan and I guest ho- uh, hosting on our friend Tom Quee's Alpha Metallica, yep. in which we broke down Inner Sandman. He says, in response to your discussion where you pondered reasons why some Metallica fans back in the day criticized the Black Album, for me at least, and I suspect for a lot of us, it wasn't because it wasn't quote-unquote thrashy enough or was too slow or whatever. A lot of Metallica's music on the first four records has an us-against-them theme, and while I'm not going to say we were all the cliched outcasts and losers, although I basically was, Metallica's fans were not the jocks and the popular kids, and Fade to Black was an exploration of a slower, more melodic style, and was even cool because it was an example of how Metallica did what they wanted and weren't beholden to hardcore fans. Even Load and Reload, and of course San Anger, even though I don't love the songs on those albums, it is Metallica exploring where they feel they themselves want to go musically and artistically. All very good points. Very good points. He says, anyway, the reason I ripped out the tape from the Black cassette, black Album cassette 20 minutes after I got home uh, was because the album is clearly a turn to the commercial, a calculated attempt to gain a mass audience. It's a capitulation to, quote-unquote, them. Even if it is a great album musically, that is what it was at the time. And at the time, those who would worship the first four albums as they were coming out from the coolest, most badass band, masterpiece after masterpiece, without radio play, without endless cheeseball videos in a world of wingers and skid rows, it was a hard pill to swallow for those fans. By the way, it was of course an immature and naive response, but I always felt Metallica were above all that. 
Anyway, now I'm glad they did it because they wouldn't be the Metallica they are today if they hadn't. Jim, a.k.a. Steamroller Action. Well, uh, a ton of amazing points in that email, for sure. Yeah, all, all really good. There's nothing really else to say about it. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing I would say is that, you know, when he, when he talked about, you know, uh, on those early albums doing what they wanted to do, and this was a calculated attempt to gain a mass audience, that really has been their goal their whole career. Right. Like, and yeah, it, may, it, was, it was more commercial. Maybe it was a, less us against them and less about, you know, that hardcore fan base or whatever, but, you know. It's it's still what they wanted to do. I, I don't think they decided after Justice, okay, now right. let's try and do and, this. And in that way, was sort of still us against them. I, I mean, I always kind of see it as MT, them saying, okay, MTV has power. MTV has the power to, to accomplish a goal that we have. Yeah. And it, I always saw it as not them bowing down to MTV, them using MTV as a tool. Right, yeah. I think they want. I think they wrote the Black Album because that's the album they wanted to write. I don't yeah. think they were like, oh, what would MTV think? I, I really don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they at any point were any under any kind of pressure to write that album. They wanted to try something different, no matter what. And and they always wanted to gain a bigger audience. I know that Inner Sandman was like originally written about crib death, and I think Lars and Bob kind of asked James to maybe rethink a less dark theme for yeah, that song yeah. but again that's internal that's with their producer and their drummer his james's co- you know lifelong co-writer that right, wasn't yeah. mtv saying we're not going to play the video unless you change the subject matter exactly yeah and so i think we're all kind of saying the same things i wasn't uh to my friend jim here i wasn't trying to say it was only the thrash thing but in a lot of ways them slowing it down and becoming more mainstream was a rejection of thrash it's yeah. all kind of the same thing yeah yeah we're all pushing the same boulder up the hill <laughs> Okay. I love when you use bolder analogies. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. You're All welcome. Right. Seamroll action. Thank you, buddy. Um, next email is from Colton Brazier. Hey, brothers. Sorry, that was a bad Hogan. One second. Let me try that again. <clears throat> hey, brothers. There's the Hulk. There he is. Love. Um, he says, I just listened to the latest episode that you guys did with Tom, and it was sweet. Metallica, Metallica's catalog is loaded capital load <laughs> whoa uh, with amazing material so it's understandable that uh, there would be a few of those gems that would go underappreciated here are my top five underappreciated metallica songs uh excluding escape number five red lightning number four dyer's eve number three that was just your life number two eye the beholder and number one trapped under ice keep up the great work guys cool thanks colton thanks dude good list Jason Wood writes, Clint, Ethan, and Tom. Thanks a million for this past week's episodes. I actually look so forward to Mondays now because I know I'll get new episodes from you guys. This week was especially killer since you guys doubled up. I'm a patron to both podcasts, thank you. And I'm looking forward to breaking down Hate Train with Tom and hopefully one day having all you guys on my podcast, Thunder Underground. Anyways, enough of that. Here are my thoughts. Which, by the way, I've checked out Thunder Underground too. It's, it's a good podcast. i say another, just another one to check out. Uh, he says his top five underrated songs, The Struggle Within, an absolute barn burner that gets buried under all the Black Album hits. I know you you agree with that. I love that song, yeah. Eye of the Beholder, such a different groove while keeping it thrashy. Wish they'd play this live. Prince Charming, Papa Het shines on this one. Great vocal delivery and smart lyrics. Hey Ma, look, it's me. Uh, Low Man's Lyric, a solo anthem that immediately struck a chord and will surely be played at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> that sentence kind of took a turn there. Can Clint play the hurdy-gurdy at your funeral? <laughs> <laughs> but you know how like uh, the dude playing like the um, the war music or whatever has to be hidden? You can't see him. Anymore. Right, exactly. I'm just like sitting behind a tree. <laughs> Single tear falls onto the hurdy-gurdy. Uh, he says that his last one is Killing Time. Sure, it's a cover, but it's loaded with balls and is a good time from start to finish. As for the inner, as for Inner Sandman, what a breakdown! Y'all made me look at the song in a different way, and certainly took me down memory lane as I went through the whole Black Album upon listening to this episode. What did you guys think of their mellow version they performed at the last Bridge School benefit? Pretty bold and different to me. 
Sorry to be so long-winded. Keep up the good work, and I can't wait for the big announcement Monday. Well, it's Monday. You heard it. You know what it is. Um, and just like that, we're like a time machine. Yeah. Metal Beaver Podcast is basically a time machine. Yeah, exactly. Back to the Future Part 4. I, I, I back all the Bridge School Benefit shit. I've, yeah. I, I think all of that is super fun. I mean, even when they did All Within My Hands, I thought that was really cool. I, I really love those performances. My only, th- only thing that I do not like is that Lars has it in his mind that to play a stripped-down set, he has to use all splash cymbals. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. Like, like when my old band did like an acoustic tour, I used bigger cymbals because I could, I, when I hit them softer, they kind of do a whoosh, kind of wash, you know? Right. And they're playing Inner Sam, and it's like, yeah, so it's real weird. That's I, the, but that's the only thing I, I didn't care for. I I, w- I have never been tempted to put any of those performances like on a CD and listen to them. Uh, you right. know, like other than just dipping in on YouTube. Sure. Yeah. I know some fans really love that shit, but um, like I love the version of uh, Poor Twisted Me they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like any time those dudes do something a little different. I love it when James does those acoustic for cures, and he did until it sleeps. Yeah, and, or did that uh, thing with uh, him and Billy Joe did yep, the thing. He did turn the page, and he did he did uh. I'm only happy when it rains. He covered a garbage song. Yeah, how super weird random. is that? Um, well, thanks for the email. Thanks, Jason. Everyone, go check out the Thunder Underground. That's Thunder like Underground. a rock and metal podcast. Denny Dirty Danny Derryberry. Finally finished. Fi- oh, is it me? No, it's my turn. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Oh. Let's just read it together. <laughs> Finally, Finally finished finish the, the Icon, icon episode. episode. Low and beyond. <laughs> All right, Danny, Danny Darberry writes, finally finished the Icon episode. Lo and behold, the begrudging respect for Limp Biscuit and the rap metal flavor, uh, flavor rears its frosted tips yet again. Mm. I think it's time to come clean and admit your secret obsession with Fred Durst. I kid, I kid. On to Metallica. Going back and watching footage um, from this and some kind of monster makes it hard to argue that it was, this was not the most significant period for the band becoming what they are now. I believe, I believe so anyways. What do you guys think about the importance of this time in the band's lifespan? Horns up from Danny. Well, I, I, for the short story, I'd refer you to our Some Kind of Monster episodes. Obviously super important, this, that, that era of the band. Um, the, the, James coming out of rehab, them yeah. surviving all of that, them losing Jason. I do think that era gets kind of like a little bit like um, retrospectively glorified. Sure. Like, they, oh, they had to. They ha- Who knows if they had to do it? I don't know if they had to lose Jason to decide to be more democratic in their songwriting. They probably could have done that without the trauma yeah. of our beloved Newstead leaving. Right, yeah. You know? I think I think that era maybe you don't say it had to happen, but because it happened, yeah. this is why we have the Metallica we have today. I respect it, you know. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I, I wish that that could have happened and they still could have made a great record. I don't see with Jason, you know, or with with you know, I don't see any reason to give James a pass on Saint Anger because of all that was happening. Right? Why couldn't they have made a record as good as the Black Album despite those? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah for I sure. feel like we kind of give them all a pass. Yeah. Uh, it, on our underappreciated songs, Tom Cleese talking about Saint Anger, right? The title track, right? Yeah. Go compare that to fucking Master of Puppets, all right? <laughs> or Ride the Lightning, exactly. Or Injustice for All, yeah. Doesn't hold up. No. Sorry to say, it, it's true. That's true. Um, well, thank you, Danny. But we always appreciate hearing from our friend Danny Derryberry. Well, if you want me to sing it, Danny, I'll sing it. If you don't want me to, I'll go home. That was like Irish. <laughs> kind of. Are you doing you too now? Our, ne- our next email is from Reese Housel. Now, this is a bit of a, this is some meme level. This is some meme level. This is. Okay, but you know. Some meme length. We don't know if it's meme level yet. Okay. Let's just get into it. Hey, Ethan and Clint, I've been a listener since about October of last year. Finally got caught up on all the old episodes last week. Holy shit, that was a lot of content. I've wanted to write you guys an email for a while now, but wanted to hear all the episodes so I could chime in on things I thought were interesting. 
I can't believe how far the podcast has come from episode one. Fucking amazing. Thanks, man. I haven't listened to all of our episodes in a row like that. I would imagine it's quite different. Quite different, and and, and he's right. That's a lot of information. If you're like binging these episodes, yeah. if you just got into us last week and you're already on episode 40 in a week, like that's that's a lot. Someone will occasionally make an outlaw touring joke like on YouTube, and I'm like, dude, that's like so six months ago. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he says, a little backstory on my Metallica fandom. I'm 26, married with two sons, four years old in two months. Wow, he's two months old. He's in the thick of it. I was born in 91 in Northern California in a sleepy little town of about 2,000 people called Portola. Do you know that town? Uh, I, I, I didn't know until I read this email. 45 minutes west of Reno, Nevada, for reference. Nowhere near a beach, rather the opposite. Up in the mountains, hunting and fishing while blasting heavy metal music out of my 95 red Pontiac Firebird everywhere. Yeah. So all that's, so he was basically in a, a winger video, or a, <laughs> yeah. it was a warrant video. Right. Uh, so all that said, I pretty much missed all the badassery of Master of Puppets, the no base on justice, the thrash of lightning, and the dirty beginnings of Kill 'Em All. Not to mention the explosion of the Black Album, disgust from the dirty album covers of the rightly dubbed Loads. <laughs> the first time I heard Metallica was in 03 when I was in sixth grade from my friend who had an older brother who was a senior in high school and listened to all kinds of metal. Don't worry, it wasn't Saint Doodoo that I listened to first. I got hooked on the Black Album. It wasn't until 05 or 06 when I heard Saint Anger, even though that album is in my number 10 slot on my albums list. I have an extremely soft spot for it and listen to it more often than Kill 'Em All and Lightning. Wow. Wow. That was the first of all my heavy metal music I've ever that was the first of all my heavy metal music I've ever purchased with my money from my first job washing dishes. I absolutely love Death Magnetic when it came out and in December of 09, my buddy that got me hooked on all things heavy metal by opening the door with Metallica got tickets for us to see them at the Arco Arena in Sacramento on the World Magnetic Tour early on leg two. That was the first and only time I've ever seen the boys live. Badass show with Volbeat opening and Machine Head hitting the deck, as Clint would say, before Metallica. I was aware Metallica had come out with Hardwired, but for one reason or another, I was never, I've never checked it out. That is until I heard the Hardwired Revisited episode with Paul, Paul? Moke. After I listened to you guys break it down the album, I immediately went to iTunes and bought the album. I cannot stop listening so good. Yeah. Well, we'll expect a check from Metallica any day now. A little kickback to the show from James Hetfield. He says, anyway, I had a point to this email when I started, so here it is. In the last episode, MTV Icon, both of you talked about how your wives didn't realize they knew slash liked Metallica. I've got a story I'd like to share with y'all about my sweet wife as well. When we first got together in 012, 012, good God, in 2012, <laughs> we talked about the music we liked, and I told her I was a huge Metallica fan, to which she replied, oh, I've heard of them, but don't really know any of their songs. So we get a little further down the road in the relationship, and we were in my car driving when my iPod shuffles to the heaviest song on the Black Album, Sabbath True. Before we got too far into the song, I paused it so I could tell her this is a Metallica song in my top five, if you were wondering. So I restart the song. She starts head bobbing while I'm almost banging my head on the steering wheel and so into it. It gets to the chorus, and she says, I know the song. This is Sad Patrol. <laughs> sad, sad Patrol. <laughs> she thought that was what James was singing in the chorus, was I'm your dream, make you real. I'm your eyes when you must steal. I'm your pain when you can't feel. Sad Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's an officer of uh, going after people who are sad. Just, just taking them into taking them into yeah. the fucking slammer. Uh, how many, uh, how many tears you shed today, sir? <laughs> this is Sabbath. Oh shit, Sabbath trolls. Right, you're coming downtown. We're gonna dry you off. Uh, he says, when I heard her sing along with Mighty James, I just about lost my mind. I was laughing so hard. To this day, this is a running joke in our relationship. Needless to say, I threw a ring on her last later that year. All right, that's a great story, dude. Oh, man. He says, now I just want to take a moment to thank you guys for what you do. You make my Mondays fly by at work, and between your podcast and the Justice Show, I've started rekindling my love of all things hard and heavy. And as many fans have said before, when listening, I feel like I'm part of the conversation and I'm just talking with my Metallica buds out in the garage, drinking some beer or gin and lemonade. 
Give that one a try. It's pretty good. That sounds tasty. This was pretty lengthy, and I apologize for that. Also, the sporadic topics and just being all over the place. Through the course of typing this out, I've had three gin and lemonades. So, yeah. Again, sorry for the link. Some meme better watch his back. <laughs> anyway, thanks for what you guys do, and thanks for taking the time to read this on or off the podcast. Cheers. Reese, P.S. If either one of you ever in your travels come through Reno, Tahoe, or Truckee, put me on the list for pizza and beers. Truckee. Truckee? What is that? Ethan like Truckee. Me like Truckee. Me make poo-poo and pee-pee in Truckee. I wanted to drink beery in Truckee. There's a really famous, like, huge truck stop, like, for touring called Bucky's in Texas. You ever been to Bucky's? I don't know if I've been to Bucky's. It's like a Sam's, it's like a fucking warehouse. And you can go and you order food off a computer. You can order any food. Oh, it's like, it's like they do it at, uh, at Wawa and, um, Yeah, totally. What's the other one? Sheets. Right. I like Sheets. sheets yeah. But it, but it's way bigger than that. Yeah, yeah. And someone took a picture of me on tour where I got, like, this jumbo hot dog <laughs> where you put everything in the world on it and Fritos. And I got two of them. <laughs> awesome. And I think I ate one of them before I even paid for them both. <laughs> As you're in line. Just in the downward road spiral. That's amazing. Anyway, Reese, thank you for that lovely story. Yeah, I really thank you. That's awesome. That. And hey, cheers to Sad Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for that Sad Patrol coming in. Oh, yeah. Now. That could be a name of a Lunar Satan song, maybe. Sad Patrol. Sad Patrol. Yeah. Satan Patrol. Um, uh, the next email comes from Scott Michael Sanderson. He says, Hey, Clint Nathan came across the cliff episode last Saturday, looking for a podcast to listen to him on cliff Burton day when I cooked Mexican and drank beer in memoriam. Mm, I nice. wish I was invited to that. It sounds yeah. amazing. Uh, holy shit. This pop- podcast is fucking fantastic. I'm currently listening to each of the album episodes, dipping in and out to re-listen to the tracks, uh, concurrently it's a real treat and has given me a fresh perspective on some of the tracks i hadn't paid too much attention to before needless to say as a cliff devotee listening to the episodes for the first three albums have been great uh, i was never too into kill em all uh, uh as an album but since your episode the four horsemen of phantom lord have become some of my favorite tracks other than anesthesia i picked up uh, a morally m2 fuzz wah pedal so i can try to nail the cliff sound with my big muff well if you got a big muff and a wah you're close you're yeah you're basically you're scooter burton right now <laughs> scooter. <laughs> it's long lost brother um like if you guys feel like uh <laughs> like you guys i uh i first really got into metallica on the black album so jason and bob rock have a special place for me but i never got into the load reload era so that's where i'm headed next anyhow great podcast yeah you've taken me back Back down the Metallica wormhole. All the best from sunny London. Well, that's what we Scott. do. We guide you through the fucking wormhole. You're welcome. Uh, our next email is from Jason Barker. Now I recognize this cat because he is uh, a big uh, he's a big fixture of the single podcast theory. He's cool. a big Pearl Jam fan. He always writes into those dudes. Awesome. And uh, I think he's written in before, but. Um, Jason writes, great job on the pod, gents. You bring a great energy to this rel- relatively new media, and your genuine fandom really fortifies the experience. Still banging through the episodes slowly, not really close to the current ones, and I've been bouncing around as my interests allow, but I'm burning them down. These are some random thoughts from a few of the episodes. On the Through the Never episode, one of you were wondering what the in-person concert experience was like regarding, regarding all the theatrical dysfunction for the camera. I attended night two in Edmonton, in excellent seats down low, front and center to the broad side of the stage, and it was seriously righteous. Yeah, dude. I was also... <laughs> yes, yeah, bro, I was. Bro, it's fucking seriously on the righteous. Right so cool. He says, uh, I was also fortunate to not hear any prior spoilers. The mic failure on Lightning looked super legit, but not five seconds after, my my brain my brain kicked in. <laughs> my brain don't kick brain. in, man. Uh, this stage is going to self-destruct. I turned to my wife and said, just watch, babe. This show is heading to crazy town. From the actual electrical arcing around the chair to the pyro for one, then the band played to the Justice statue, 
dude on fire right to the toilet bowl with the bloody spike. Truly memorable with no cheesy side effects. Right from the initial riff of Creeping Death, the hairs on the back of my neck were up the whole show. James and co. were in the zone, and the production was strong. Just want to quickly comment on the Black Album Bob Rock year and a half conversations. Great work, but I gotta say, far too much praise for Bob Rock's Unforgiven. True, he pushed Kirk, but that solo still came from the Ripper. It was his fingers and his soul. You guys for sure know this, but I just needed to lay it out since every time Unforgiven pops up in the combo, there seems to be more reference to Brock than the praise for Kirk. (laughs) Also, Bob did try to push James when his voice was shot, just saying his pushing might not necessarily need to be considered genius is all. My two cents, feel free to delete this. (laughs) Go ahead. I did it shittily. (laughs) Why did I even try that? Feel free to delete this. <laughs> you guys are rad. This band is rad, and the fans are rad. Sat amongst some energetic peeps for the Worldwide Show in Edmonton, and it was tremendous. Totally agree with the sentiment you guys always offer. Metallica are absolutely crushing it. Jay out. Jay out. That's cool, man. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, in terms of us giving Bob too much credit, what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, of course, Bob Rock Dick didn't play the solo. Sure, no, it, it, yes, it came from Kirk's hands. It came from his heart and soul. But, you know, as we talked about a lot on the show before in regards to producers, that person has the ability to, to pull that out of somebody. Yes, it, it does is coming from Kirk's soul. But it, it takes someone like a Bob Rock to, to get them over that hump and or whatever and to get to that place where they eventually land on this perfect solo. And I think we can all agree, had Bob Rock not done that, we wouldn't have that solo. Exactly. So, or we would have it, James Heffield saying, woman! <laughs> it's more of a symbiotic thing, I guess. Yeah. Neither of them, I don't think, could have pulled that solo off without each other. Sure. And so, And, and I would say maybe... Co-geniuses. If it, if it does seem like we're giving too much love to Bob, I would say maybe that's because, in general, people don't understand how vital producers are. Right. And maybe we're just trying to use that as an opportunity to really highlight, underscore, embolden, and italicize. For your listening pleasure. And put a strike through and do all the other things you can do with Microsoft Word. <laughs> I use paint. Yeah? You no. use the big paint, the big paint uh, thing? I use the paintbrush. Well, and, I, I, I use a paint paint, tree. I use my mouse to make a paintbrush, make a treehouse. A doghouse <laughs> and a puppy. I put the doghouse in the treehouse and I, I make a ladder that I climb. It's a, a dog treehouse. It's a doghouse treehouse, dog. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Jay. Jay out. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start saying E out. Yo. Um, our last email is from Eric Frazier. Dear Father Earth. <laughs> Hello, son. <laughs> but you know why he wrote that? Because I always hear Dyer's Eve. Dear Mother, dear Father Earth. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dear Father Earth. Um, uh, for my, my one word, I guess I will go with serious. Oh, because we were saying from the MTV Icon episode, what's the one word you would describe the same Metallica? And I think you right. went with life-changing. I think I said powerful. Yeah. Uh, he goes with serious. I think they define their career with, with serious music, especially considering the context of the 80s hair metal that did songs about party and girls and other frivolous topics. Metallica comes in with their, their uh, death penalty, war drugs, not in the fun way, etc. I always have admired their seriousness, and I'm a serious fan. Um, I loved hearing the reference to Ghost this week, as I'm a big fan. I love to hear them cover Leper Messiah or, or uh, some Merciful Fate, given their style. What do you guys think about Ghost? Fans? Uh, I know Clint's a fan. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan. I uh, they have a record called Meloria that um, it's their latest record, and they have the, this, the big song. They sort of broke out a little bit this year. They have a song called Square Hammer that was kind of a single. Um, in terms of their 
in terms of their whole, um, for those of you who don't know, Ghost is a very theatrical metal Swedish band, very, and they have a lot of anti-religious, satanic themes. Right. Although it's real clear if you dig deep, or dig, dig even just a little bit, that it's all theater. Sure. It's it's very much from the Alice Cooper tradition. Right. And uh, the dude dresses up like an evil pope. And all the, the the nameless, faceless ghouls they have play in their band, and they, it's Omega, and I love the theater of it. Yeah. Now yeah. their their songs sound to me like '80s pop songs. Okay, I, I've I mean, never really div- uh, dove dove into that band. I mean, it's heavy, but it's like it's very very well written. Yeah. And it's it's very very influenced by '80s pop music. That's great. So anyway, the the record I love is called Meloria. I'll probably get their next one. I haven't liked it enough to go back. Sure. Okay. And get their other two or three. Right. Right. So okay. I'll say that about it. All right, well, Eric uh, ends his email here by saying, I heard a little ghost style in, in Lunar Satan, which was terrific. Yep. Um, I'm impressed. I was surprised you guys were laughing about it because I think Clint is onto something. If you want a rhythm guitarist who is low on talent, I am in. <laughs> from, from appreciative listener, patron, and king of pain and insane, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, Eric. That's very nice. It may shock you that um, when I'm looking to assemble a band for Lunar Satan, I, I'm not looking for people low on talent. <laughs> I'm looking for people who can play it well. Really? Because I was thinking I could play an instrument in Lunar Satan that I don't know how to play. There's a whole section in the Lunar Satan track where it all breaks down. It's just like kind of choir singing that's a straight-up ghost homage. Okay, cool. That's By awesome. Fomet, I receive you now. It's like <laughs> I ripped that from Ghost for sure. That's awesome. All right, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was the emails. Hey, this is Ethan and Clint from Metal Up Your Podcast, and we want to talk to you about something we love called Patreon. That's right. Patreon is a way for fans of the show to give back to the show to donate money that uh, helps us in quality and content. And not only that, but we've actually come up with all sorts of fun incentives to give back to you for supporting the show. Exactly. For instance, if you donate $5 or more, you get access to Cover Our World Blackened, which is the official Metal Up Your Podcast Metallica cover EP. That's right, and that's the only way to get it. In addition to the EP, we also give you priority email access, meaning we'll read your email first on the show. We give you early access to Patreon-exclusive merchandise, Patreon-exclusive giveaways, and any other side projects that Ethan and I might be involved in. There's all sorts of things you can look at on there and you can donate to. Go check it out, patreon.com slash Podcast. How do you spell that, Clint? P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Podcast. And if you really think about it, $5 a month for an entire year, that's really just like a cup of coffee a month so go check it out thanks everyone peace adios all right so this is exciting we're finally getting to our interview with wayne summers as we talked about earlier he is the guy who returned the master of puppets backdrop to the boys he's also the head of the uh the london chapter of metallica called the uk torn uh he's been to i think around 70 shows yeah he's a massive fan with a really unique perspective Really charming, funny guy. Huge Metallica vinyl collection. He's got a huge... Yeah. And so we have all that on our socials. Um, you're going to hear a lot about that on the episode. So this is us just introducing you to Wayne. Enjoy our conversation, Wayne. Enjoy. Ooh, yeah! All right. We're here with our new friend, Wayne Summers. And uh, Wayne has got quite the story to tell. He is a part of Metallica history now. As we told you about before we introduced the segment, Wayne, is res- Wayne found the missing Master of Puppets backdrop... Like a hero, return it to the band. After, for sure, we, we got to ask him, but I'm sure he wore it as a cape a few times. I hope he did. Wore it as a cape around the house, around the flat, if you will, a little bit. Out in the garden. Yeah. So, Wayne, <laughs> welcome to Metal Up Your Podcast, dude. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, are we understanding this correct? You're actually in the U.S. right now, in New York, right? I am, sir. Yes, I'm actually up in East Chester. My girlfriend lives in New York, so, yeah, I'm here. Ah, nice. Week. 
obviously a very good reason to come over to the States and hang out. Hey, who that's met, weird. He wanted to I, come see who, his girlfriend. That's it. Who I, who I actually met at a Metallica show in December 2016, the small, or la, um, the small show down in uh, San Francisco. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Well, let's get into that because you've been to many shows. You're sort of a... Uh, even Blake Talica, who we talked to last week, he he knows of you. Our friend Sarah is actually the one who got us connected. So you're the head of the UK yep. Torn, which is the UK uh, chapter of Metallica. When did you first become a fan? Has it, has it been your whole life, or was there a certain record that you came online with? What's, your, um, what's the story? So my, my story growing up was that I was massively... My dad got me into the Rolling Stones and stuff like that, Queen, Thin Lizzy. Um, and we, we moved house um, and a, as a... 13 year old uh, my next door neighbor was massively into his metal um, we became friends as we were at the same school um, and we started playing like mega drive and you know computer games and he was playing all this music and i was like oh whew, haven't heard of any of this so one day he gave me three cassettes so I, i'm showing my age and he gave me appetite for destruction by guns and roses nice. seventh son of a seventh son by iron maiden and he gave me and justice for all by Metallica, of course. I mean, those th- um, those aren't bad uh, bad loner cassettes from your friend by any means. No, looking back, sort of near yeah, thirty years on, they were they were really good good uh, choices considering he was into Deicide, Morbid Angel, everything and anything. He really was. Wow. Um, I I went and listened to those cassettes for a few days, and and that's it. A metalhead was born, really. Um, <laughs> And then excited to hear that Metallica had had, you know, three albums before that and got very deep into those. So did you first see them? Was your first show on the Damage Justice tour? Unfortunately not. My first show was in 1997 at the Reading Festival in England. Okay. Oh, wow. God, what what a a great first show to see. So that would be around the poor retouring me? Correct, yes. So we had a few songs off of... um, if I remember correctly, I think we got like Hero of the Day, Until It Sleeps, maybe even Ain't My Bitch. Okay. If, but I'm not 100% sure. But yeah, there was there was some load. I know we got um, Battery and Motor Breath because I actually did my first crowd surfing and got a, a, <laughs> a, nice, el- a nice elbow in the nose. Yeah, <laughs> man. Split my nose. Split my nose and lip open, so that was like you know, that, wow. was, a, that was a good first experience. Yeah, good, yeah, yeah, good Metallica so. memories from your first show for sure. So between '97 and now, how many shows have you been to? Um, Madrid on the third of February uh, was my seventy-first show. Wow, let's give it. Let's give it, Wayne. Dang, Wayne, <laughs> seventy-one shows. <laughs> Now, yes, sir. And, yeah. I, and I ask this with, with nothing but love and respect and affection. Is your girlfriend as, as insane about the band as you are? Does she, is she, how many shows has she been to? Can she keep up with you? Uh, I think she's up to, no, I think she's up to 46. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she believe. can hang. Yeah, yeah. You're both fine. <laughs> yeah. And she's got, uh, on the side, on the, on the side of her, like, ribs down the side, she's got a, um, amazing And Justice for All tattoo. Oh, I think it took wow. her 18 now. 18 hours. Wow. It's abs- I know, like, Blake's got 30-odd, and I've not seen all of his, mm-hmm. <laughs> thankfully. Um, <laughs> but hers, hers is hers is an absolute masterpiece. It, it really is a stunning piece. Yeah, she, she, I think she met them as a 13- or 14-year-old back in the 90s herself. I might be wrong. or two, Yeah. Um, 
So she, yeah, she's she's a massive, massive Metallica fan as well. well that's yeah. awesome. Well, I, I'm. I think it's safe to say the relationship is going to work out at least for a long time to forever. <laughs> you guys are going to be fine. <laughs> well, as, certainly as long as Metallica carry on touring anyway. <laughs> That's right. Your, your version of marital counseling is like, all right, we're going through something kind of deep, honey. Let's go see Metallica. Let's go see Metallica or let's sit down and, you know, don't listen to Nothing Else Matters right now. Right. Listen to something a little more uplifting. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get matching we, Doris we, tattoos on our entire back. <laughs> We we'll just we'll just use the guy that Metallica used in some kind of monster. Yeah, we'll get yeah? Phil. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Wayne, you need to move into the fear. Zone it. Yeah. Zone it. <laughs> zone it. <laughs> so let me ask you this: your, your your first show was in the '90s. Poor retouring me. That's sort of my area of expertise, if you will. Where do you stand on the load okay. and reloads? Are you are you a, a believer of those records? Uh, I'm a massive believer of load. Um, I, I I was not I was not a believer massively of reload um but about a month ago actually i was driving to work i do a lot of driving for my job so spotify and cds etc etc and i actually chucked because i've got a friend of mine who absolutely loves fixer yeah that's and me I couldn't that's I, clint wells from that'll be podcast off the top of my head i just remembered in my opinion i thought it was a poor version of bleeding me and the outlaw torn right but but I thought, you know what, instead of just listening to Fixer, I'm going to put the album on front to back and and give it a blast. And I have to say, I've actually listened to it a couple of times uh, in the past month, having not listened to it front to back for a lot of years. Right. So, Wayne, that, that's exa- but, exactly what happened with me with Load and Reload, because I kind of wrote those records off for a long time. And then when it came time for us to do episodes on those albums, I was you know, obviously forced at least that week or two to just dive in super deep with those records. And I, I kind of re-fell in love with them, and there's not really many tracks yeah. I skip on those records. No, correct. Load, load. there's absolutely nothing I skip. And I think why I love that album is the versions on S&M of Bleeding Me mm-hmm. and The Outlaw Torn. I Hero just think are Hero of the Day, Until It Sleeps, I do believe, is on there as well. Absolutely. And they're just abs- uh, absolutely stunning um, versions. So, yeah, I, um, you know, I know, you know, I, I love the first four albums more than anything. Um, I'm absolutely obsessed with the remastered box sets that they bought out because to get demo versions, live versions of Metallica when they were raw, you know, just animals really in the music scene, they were just like stuck two fingers up to everyone. Where oh, Metallica? Yeah. Well, here, you know, especially what, especially the Kill 'Em All stuff, like hearing them on those oh. first tours, that hearing that oh. a show with Anthrax where their the show after their gear got stolen. Not only the yeah. interesting banter of hearing James actually talk about it. He sounds super weird in that. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, we got ripped off. <laughs> it's so weird hearing him say that. I know. Well, <laughs> it turns out our gear got... He sounds kind of like Mustaine a little he bit. He has a little Mustaine thing going on, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Speaking of those those um, box sets, so you sent us a picture of your vinyl collection, right? And Ethan and I were just sitting here looking at it. And it actually looks like my that's, vinyl collection. That's, that's, that's some of my vinyl collection. So check, just, just <laughs> check this out for our listeners, just to give them an image. So my entire vinyl collection, which I'm quite proud of, um, is okay. about eight cubbies worth, and it's about 500 records, right? So Wayne sends us a picture of a similar-looking cubby full. It's about my record collection, about 500. Right, right, yeah. And me and Ethan are sitting here, I'm like, oh, shit, look at this. Look, Wayne, there's there's got to be Metallica records in there somewhere. I was like, Wayne's a vinyl cat. Check this out. And I'm zooming in, That's and a- this whole fucking thing is all Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> apart oh. from one, apart from the top row, I have one I have one row of other bands that I 
passionately love you know like oh, everybody man. has a top 10 i heard your i heard your episode on your top 10 uh, metal albums and stuff you know not yeah. going to agree with all of it but mm-hmm. you mentioned a few bands that i also love so i've i've one row i've one row that's non metallica but the other I think five or six rows. Yeah, that's all Metallica stuff. That's, that's yeah. more rows than we have combined of Metallica vinyl. <laughs> he who walks behind the rows. Yeah. So, are are those? Um, do you are you a part of the sort of collecting community? Are you hardcore? Do you have like really rare pressings and such? Do you have the green ride the lightning? Yes, I. Yeah, I am. I'm part. I've been collecting for about five years. My my best friend is a massive Queen fan, and he's been collecting for like 20, 25 wow. years. He, he took me to a record fair in London. Yeah, it was tw- 2012. I spent about £400 in about two hours. And then that's, that's it. Like, I'm, I think my collection's now up to about £75,000 it's worth. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, this In actually, five years. This actually, so what's your address? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> well, this leads us into your story, right? So so as a collector, you're always looking for interesting Metallica paraphernalia and Metallica gear. Correct. And you actually came yep. across the backdrop. Now, you were aware yes. that, it, that, that they had misplaced it, right? So were you, you weren't looking for, were you looking for it for them or were you looking for it for no, you? No, or? no, not at all. Wasn't, wasn't actually specifically looking for it. Like, like most collectors out there, we have, you know, eBay's very good where you can, you know, put in special words and searches and stuff like that. But, you know, probably every other day, at least I will, um, I will do a search and I just so happened to be searching this one day back in 2015. And hmm, that looks quite interesting, right? Add that to watch list, carried on and went back to this item bloody hell (laughs) you know i said to myself i was like whoa okay don't tell anybody that's the first rule (laughs) don't tell any of the collectors (laughs) it's like right and it was ending i remember it It was ending on a saturday it was and it was ending on a saturday afternoon and i happened to be out for a friend's birthday so i'd put in a i'd put in a very low bid of a few hundred pounds just to kind of see where i was and thought set myself an alarm on my phone five minutes before the alarm like a uh, like uh, before the auction ended um and the pub i was in just completely missed it looked oh, at my man. phone an hour later and i was like Shit, i missed the auction yeah but somehow it only sold for i think for about 480 or 470 pounds and the reserve wasn't met hmm. wow um, so, um, do you remember how many so people were, I, were how many bids it ended with? Like, how many people were actually bidding on this thing? Well, I know the watch count was up to about 30 people. There was about 30 people watching, I do believe. Um, I was just absolutely staggered the reserve wasn't met. So, anyway, I then obviously sent the guy an email and he replied the next day and said, As you can imagine, I've had so many messages about this. But it might be your lucky day because you're the first person from England mm. to message me about it. So, how, I far, how far away? Like, is, how far is he away from you? <laughs> so I'm I I live in Northwest London. He was based in Birmingham. Okay, so not um, terribly far. So not terribly far. Two hours in the car. So on the Sunday, I basically messaged that we we went back and forth with messages, and I just said, right, I I need to see this in person. Um, when <laughs> and he was like he basically was like tomorrow night um, and we actually met in a McDonald's car park just off the <laughs> just off the motorway 
So anyway, so I arrive, meet the guy, and the box weighed about eight pounds. Hmm. So it's quite a quite a heavy thing. So yeah, he gets yeah. this old brown box out the back seat of his car, and he just unravels it in this McDonald's car park. And I was honestly, I, I I'm not very spe- I'm not speechless very often, but I was just like. Holy shit! This thing's real. Can you just <laughs> imagine? Like, oh my god! Can you just imagine a fellow Metallica fan, may, may, not even a diehard like yourself, <laughs> maybe more Ethan and I's level, getting a fucking cheeseburger at McDonald's, <laughs> and you're like, "What are these guys doing? Wait a second! That's the master of puppets backdrop." <laughs> or, I mean, I think my initial reaction would, would be, like, one of those dudes made that thing. Right. My, I don't. I don't know if I would think that's the original backdrop. Yeah, but no, somebody course, made yeah, this giant, you know. Well, so let's talk about what the process. So you're in deep. You know what to look for. You know the right questions to ask. You basically want to yep. make sure it's legit. So how did you go about the process of sort of authenticating the backdrop? I think honestly, it's exactly the same process as what um, will come through to the story of how Zach and Nelson from Metallica sort of got it off of me. Is it was just that initial gut feeling. Mm. It, it was it it was a met. It wasn't even a print. It was, you could tell it was handmade. It was, it had, it was like a mesh. It was very, you know, there were small holes. You could tell from the, you could tell it had been hung and then just been cut off. So after speaking to Zach about it, it was hung on some like metal rods. So obviously who had, whoever had taken it in the first place had obviously, because of the weight, I'm guessing, had just slashed the metal rods off the top and the bottom of the backdrop. Yeah, usually those. I mean, when you're buying or selling a backdrop, usually you're not selling that with one. That's usually um, yeah something that's hung up near the truss or attached to the truss, and then then yeah. the backdrops are usually tied on. Let but. me ask you this for some context. So, is it known that it was stolen? Like, was it stolen at a club, or by yeah, by I, I, production I, guys at I, a club or something, or fans? No. What 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 happened was this, and this is after speaking to the guy who I bought it from because he held it for a very long time. The story is obviously after the 1986 Europe tour, the, um, or the UK tour, sorry, Metallica then went across the waters, and unfortunately, a week later, Cliff had that, you know, right. terrible accident. Mm-hmm. So um, at the time, Metallica, because they weren't at a massive high level, they obviously they hired external lighting and um, company. So basically, after the Hammersmith show, I think if I'm right, is the 20th of December or 20, uh, sorry, September 20th or 21st of September. The company after the London show drove everything back to the to the warehouse or storage unit in Birmingham. Now, we can only guess on the next exact date uh, uh, of what happened, but we, the guy, presumes that after the unfortunate accident with Cliff, the guy. Um, then sort of took um, the backdrop and also we do know that the crosses from that tour because when I met Lars he jokingly said to me are you going to find me the crosses next? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, So then what happened was the guy who stole the stuff he was um, he was going out he was his partner owned a pub in Warsaw uh, which is just sort of in between Birmingham and Wolverhampton. Yeah. And um, basically they they split up a couple of years later because um, you've got to imagine that this backdrop is 30 foot by 20 foot. So you're not talking about, you know, something that you can just easily stick up on the wall. Um, 
So uh, when they basically, it's quite a funny story in that when they split up, the landlady came downstairs one night in, the, in her pub with this box, took the backdrop out and went, oh, I'm thinking of cutting this up oh, and sticking shit. it on that and sticking it on that wall because it's too big to stick on it. Wow. And it, and it just so happened that the guy who I ended up buying the backdrop from was a regular in a pub and actually had gone to the 86 shows and he was like whoa 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 you will not do anything like that at all <laughs> um can i buy it i'll buy it off you um and apparently he said this went to and from she was desperate to put it on the wall but about three months later he ended up um buying it off her and what did um, he end up paying for it he said he paid back then. He said he paid £250 for it back then. Okay, okay, wow. So that's 89 I think it was. 88 or 89 he bought it. Um, and then and then he had, he was the owner until I bought it off him in 2015. Wow, so he kept it that long. What, did he, did he mention why he wanted to sell it? Why now? Why after all these years? Uh, he was getting married again. He was getting remarried, and he wanted money towards his towards the wedding. Nothing more, nothing less. Well, I, yeah. I bet his fiance was like, "Here's the deal. I love you. I want to marry you. Um, <laughs> I can't marry a guy with a master puppets backdrop. Yeah, and uh, I just can't do it. And once once we get married, it's coming off the wall. <laughs> it's coming off the wall. <laughs> yeah, you'd need a big ass wall to fit that. Although, that bad boy although you sure. know, Wayne it sounds like Wayne with his partner. I could imagine them putting that shit up for real. That's like oh yeah so, so let's get to that so you you're in possession of it how yep. what was your internal how long before you were like do i keep it do i try to reach out to the metallica people because i what i imagine is at this time you've been going to enough shows where had you gotten friendly with some of the crew or walk us through some of that um yeah a couple of them because that that does bring me on how to how i started um like how metallica got involved with it so i i obviously by then i'd been collecting for say three years so I knew I knew quite a few of the big collectors around the world, so I messaged a couple of people, and you know it, it became apparent that it was me who had bought it. Um, I actually had an offer of, well, I'd I'd one massive collector turn around to me and say, "Here's an open blank, like here's a blank check. How much do you want for it?" Wow. Um, um, another guy, someone else, offered me ten thousand dollars for it. Holy shit! Jeez. Um, you know, and considering I paid less than, you know, I paid about a thousand dollars for it in right. the end. Um, were your, crazy, were your, but were your fellow Metallica collectors like cursing you for that? I mean, that's got to be, that's got to be one of the coolest treasure finds of Metallica collecting. Oh yeah, and you found it in the yeah. wild. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's just pure luck, really, wasn't it? But right. no, everybody who then started messaging me was. And I was like, I started saying, I think I, sh you know, I this this belongs to Metallica. I really think I should do the dutiful thing and, you know, you know, give it back to them. Uh, not, I, I can honestly count on one hand of all the all the they were like, you're crazy. You like, I couldn't give that back to them. Um, you are you're in possession of one of the rarest items ever. Yeah, um, that would be very very a very tough call, I'd imagine. But but you went with it you, was, you, you it went honestly, with your gut. It on, it honestly wasn't for me. I don't know okay. why. I don't know. Just, I don't know, just because of maybe what it meant and, you know, because of Cliff and, and everything like that. I was about to say, like the that. Cliff element makes it 
heavier and it's like that's beyond collecting vinyl or co- collect, you know you're not going to give the, you're not going to give a green ride the lightning back to the boys yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah someone correct. dropped this yeah, yeah, <laughs> Lars has 20 of them in his exactly. lockup somewhere right. you, do, you know what I mean so you, you, you um, know what it is it's that you came across something that they definitely didn't have themselves right there was there, there was only one of those wow correct, so, yeah. so tell us but about uh, maybe without some of the names or details but just sort of the avenues of you wanting to get in touch with the band wanting to say hey I've got this really cool thing I'm not insane. So give me a, give in, me some, you know. So it was August, August 2015. Metallica were doing a European tour, so Norway, Bergen, Sweden, and then Russia shows. So I was at a a pre-party, like you know, fan clubs like myself in the UK tour. And, you know, in some in some countries, the fan clubs are so so good. Um, so we're in we're in Sweden the night before the Metallica show, and we're in a club called Sticky Fingers. Um, Being and, a big Stones fan, you must love that. Uh, yeah, I did. I really did I'll enjoy that. Um, and a couple of like at some of the um, pre parties, um, if it's guys who are running the pre parties who are like you know staunch Metallica fans, then sometimes you'll get the odd crew member that might turn up and have a beer i'm okay. surprised no one's invited me to come pole dance at one of these pre-parties i'm just <laughs> shocked that i've not gotten that invitation clint is agile let me say so when a crew when a crew member shows up obviously they're they're sort of you know they're vip type guests do do you know their yeah. crew do they announce themselves or they just do they want to sort of be a little just mingle or again they they won't go out of their way to make themselves known that they're crew they're wearing like a big crew start, badge <laughs> no what, once you've started once once you've been on the scene a little bit and started doing you know sort of five ten shows in a in a tour with the days off you're hanging around with metallica fans who have been fans of the band for like 20 30 years so you know they're normal human beings yes they work for one if not the biggest metal band of all time they want to have a beer and have a drink as well you know as well so um you know a lot of them don't but there are a few that are known to be quite friendly and you know so on this night nelson who's one of the guys who 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 works for the band who i'd met previously the year before on tour in 2014 um so by this time i'd had a few (laughs) i'd had a few of the old swedish flavored ciders so nice nice (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 and I knew Nelson anyway, so we were just chatting, and I was like, "Oh, dude, look what I look what I bought recently," and showed him the photo. And and he, I don't think he half believed me at first. He was like, "Yeah, oh, is that a print? You know, is is that a copy or something?" I was like, "No, dude, that's the actual backdrop from 1986." <laughs> and he went, he suddenly sobered up, and it was like, "Okay, right." Um, yep, cool. Uh, what's your number? <laughs> I I know someone who's going to want to talk to you about this. His name is Dave um, Mustaine. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine Imagine if I'd handed it over to Mega Dave? <laughs> uh, I didn't oh play my... on this record. Fuck this thing. No, little backdrop. Do, do you reckon there would be any more Big Four shows then? God, could you imagine that? He would, that he could would be use it one to, of the funniest he, things ever. He would use Mega it to blackmail. Mega Dave. Yeah, he would, he would blackmail the band into having him play guitar again. Yeah, well, I'll he give it back if you let me play in your band again. <laughs> oh, dear so, me. That is a funny thought. So yep. N- so Nelson so, Nelson relays the message to the powers that be. Yeah, to a gentleman called Zach Harmon, who's Rob's bass tech and has been with the band for 
I think th around 30 years. Oh wow! Um, so the fo the following day was the the show in Sweden, and I happened to be lucky to be um, on because that was the tour where they had the members on stage. Oh yeah, fan oh. club members oh, yeah. on stage. Um, so my friend Glenn won uh, won that, and he took me as his plus one. So once they got us all on stage, um, Zach. Um, Zach had asked Nelson who I was, what I looked like, blah, blah, blah. So he came up and suddenly, hey, I'm Zach. Um, I hear you met Nelson. Could I have a, is there any chance I could have a look at the photo that you showed Nelson last night? And then obviously asking me a few questions and stuff like that. So showed him the photo of the backdrop. He asked a few brief um, questions. Um, what, did he he then, what did he ask? So like where I got it, where I got it from um what what's the background a brief background of you know you wouldn't have just bought this with you know by not asking any questions yourself and stuff like that so um and then he gave me i think he took my email address or my phone number one of the two um and then he proceeded to after that show he um we're in email dialogue for um quite a few weeks because then at the end of august Metallica were playing um, uh, Leeds and uh, Reading Festival. Right, yeah. Um, so obviously with it weighing so much, Zach wanted to see this in person. Um, so um, so basically I was like, yeah, I can bring it up to one of the festivals. You just tell me which one. I'm going to both. So, um, so yeah, so I ended up... Uh, the picture I sent you of it in my back garden, that was the morning of the Leeds Festival. Oh, wow. Um, so I was like, hey, I've got to get a photo of it first before I get rid of it, don't yeah. I? You know, so. I might not be coming back with this today. <laughs> and, and by the way, Wayne just mentioned uh, the photos. So he sent us a bunch of cool photos that of sort of a lot of different stages of this journey. We're putting those on all of our socials with his permission, of course. So if you want to check out our Instagram or our Twitter or whatever, we're going to be showing you kind of the picture of it in his backyard is killer. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. It's a garden, by the way, and, over there. Oh, it's garden. No, you it's, also, have, you, also, the garden. You, also, you also have a photo that no one is, well, a, a handful of people have seen, but it's never, ever been on social media, the one of the signed guitar. So, yeah. So, um, I, I, yeah. So, let's work our way to that. So, the yeah, morning of the Leeds but, show, you took, yep. did you take that picture sort of knowing that might be the last time that you have it? I was, well, basically we'd got to the point where Zach was asking me, he was like, look, Metallica are not allowed, we're not, we can't give you cash back for it, what would you like for it? So he basically he sent me kind of like a blank check as well, and I was like um, well, I've never met the band, um, any chance of a meet and greet? <laughs> you know, but by that stage, James wasn't doing the meet and greet, so I was like, yeah, it'd be cool to see Lars and Kirk and Rob and hopefully Lars will have a good chat with me about it. You know, it's quite a special item. Sure. Um, and I, I managed, like, they very kindly gave um, a meet and greet to two of my Norwegian friends, Glenn and Ola, who are actually, like, two Metallica legends as well on the tour. Awesome. Um, they're currently doing the whole leg at the moment wow. in Europe, from Portugal wow. to Spain to Italy to and I think that it ends in Mannheim on the 16th. Tell you what, that's the um, tour. That's the tour to see on the World Wired run this so far because of all the diff the rotating slots are oh, so yeah. different than the states. Yes. Okay. So yeah. so continue. So so anyway, so on the morning, so then so I'm in 
by this point where sort of like in WhatsApp contact and I'm like, right, leaving London now. We should arrive by around, I don't know, 2, 3 p.m. We get about half an hour before we get to Leeds and I send him out a message and said, oh, by the way, because this is quite heavy, where do you want me to park? Because if I have to park in the general, like, you know, where do, where do you want to meet? <laughs> so yeah. Zach, repli- Zach replies, uh, just drive up to where all the, um, you know, where all the bands you know, just look for production and yeah, for bands. The backstage, the, the backstage yeah. area. Like where the yeah, buses and trucks area, are. Basically. Well, a lot of those so, festivals, like I, I've done a lot of those, there's there's like a big compound where all the bands are. And usually the headliners have their yeah. own compound, but you'll see all the buses and trucks and so forth. Yeah, so, um, so we turn up and Zach comes and meets us and we, we literally park next to Baby Metal's tour bus. <laughs> just hilarious. Was it a baby <laughs> tour like, bus? Was it a tiny tour bus? Yeah, it was a mini. There was a little mini one on the back, you know, for them to play in. (laughs) Um, So, so we, I take the box out of the car, and then Zach just says, "Right, um, I just like two minutes on my own with Nelson because Nelson was with him." Yeah. So, um, so me and a couple of friends who I was with at the time um, on the journey up, we just sort of stood by the car. Zach and Nelson wandered off. They took. They took it out of the box, laid it down on the floor, and I could just tell, even from, I don't know, 30, 40 feet away, I could just tell that Zach knew straight away it was the real deal. Wow, man. Um, so, yeah. So, and then, so obviously, he came back, and we ended up having food in, in, with, in the artist tent. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like backstage tour. And then obviously like the meet and the meet and greet and then ended up on stage that night as well. So amazing. And, and James, James ended up, um, he actually dedicated Seek and Destroy to me nice. before awesome. the song. Which what a cool thing, I had man. No, I had no idea would happen. And obviously, and also as well, after my meet and greet with um, Rob, Kirk and Lars, um, Zach pulled me to one side and said, um, would you like to meet James? James has asked to meet you. What if you were like, nah. <laughs> no, I'm cool. No, I'm cool. <laughs> I already met Nelson, well, I, so. <laughs> I probably couldn't spit. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm personally, I'm a massive ma- fan of Metallica's music. I'm not one of those people who's actually obsessed with the band members like sure, some yeah. people are. Right. Um, for me, for me, it's just, it's just all about the music, all the years of listening on my Sony Walkman, you know, and, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more, you know, I could barely tell you what their birthdays were, really. I'm, I'm just, I just love the music. Yeah, man, that's I, great. I, I, I would put myself in a similar category. So can we, so let's talk about the meet and greet with Rob and, uh, and Kirk and Lars. Yep. And then, and then I want to talk about the one with James. So what did you, yeah, no problem. They, they were obviously aware that you would return the, the backdrop. Um, what was the chat like? But, Anything notable? Well, before that actually is quite a good one because Metallica were late arriving to, to, to Leeds Festival. I don't know whether there was a delay in their flight or then the transportation from the hotel, um, from the airport. But because we had to wait a good hour for our, for our meet and greet um, backstage. So Zach had deliberately not told anybody in Metallica whatsoever. None of the guys in the band knew anything about this backdrop until they arrived at the Leeds festival and Zach basically went into their dressing room and said guys I've got something to show you wow so they lit so they literally um 
say within two hours of them going on stage at the sorry the Leeds Festival. Um, that's the first time that the guys knew about it. I wonder if it was emotional for them. I mean, sure, it must have been. Brought back a lot yeah, of memories and made him think of Cliff and. Yes, because that that was very apparent after I'd had my meet and greet, especially with James, because I I actually ended up having about fifteen minutes one on one with him, which, like, I don't know if you guys have ever done a meet and greet with the band, but I haven't. It's no. kind of like Rob 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 walked in first, and he's so super cool. He's so nice, so friendly, um, but. <laughs> I don't mean this to sound in a horrible way, but you can kind of tell he, fi- you know, he hasn't been there since the 80s. Do you know what I mean? Sure, but he's, yeah. ab- he's absolutely super cool. Is so friendly and so nice, but it kind of feels like he just comes in and then he's kind of like, yeah, I know everybody kind of wants to meet Lars or Kurt. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But yeah, 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 I and I don't, and I really don't mean that in a nasty way of course, whatsoever. Yeah. So. Um, so, so Rob came in and he didn't mention. He obviously didn't mention the backdrop at all. Um, then Kurt, Kurt came in, um, and I was second in line. There was a guy next to me, um, and kind of like a young lad. So I was next, and then Kirk sort of like did my signing, chatted to him briefly, and then he and then my Norwegian friends, Glenn and Ola, who I mentioned before, they actually know Kirk quite well because they've been to both of Kirk's fear festivals that oh, he's cool. held. Awesome. Um, and they're massive, huge. If you had, a, if you saw a photo of them, you, they're very distinguishable, um, Viking-looking, long beards, <laughs> but just the f- nicest guys you could wish to meet. So, Kirk's like, "Oh my God, hey guys!" To Glenn and Ula, and he's doing the meet and greet. And on Ula has a like a patch jacket, um, and there's one of Cliff, and Kirk literally is like just about to get his pen out to sign something for Ulo and he's like turns around to like um you know one of the staff behind and he's like who's the guy who's the guy who bought the backdrop who's the guy and so Glenn and Ulo like point at me and he puts the like you know the tip back at the the lid back on the pen and he walks back over and he comes and shakes my hand again and basically he was like dude that's so awesome of you thank you so much it means so much to us wow and as you as you probably know kirk's not the most emotional he's definitely not a touchy feely kind right. of guy you know right. you could you could tell like how much it meant to him you know wow that's so cool um, and how about look at you wayne not even telling him yourself like hey i'm the backdrop guy yeah that's why i'm back here yeah playing no, it cool i don't playing it cool no i don't I don't know. I, I think at the point where you just suddenly, like, you've got them in front of you, it's like, don't be a dick, don't be a dick, don't say anything silly, like, you know. <laughs> it's like, well, and this, um, was, and this was your one request, like, hey, maybe I can get a meet and greet, and you got it. So yeah, you're just like... And I also managed, I managed to get the meet and greet for two of my friends as well, so I yeah. thought that was quite a nice gesture as well, you know, Absolutely. to do, so... So he, so um, he, and then, so yeah, so I know what you mean, like, for Kirk to come back and sort of make that gesture, yes. it's a big deal for Kirk. He yeah. does, he's not going to yeah. talk your head off like Lars might. Right. So, was, so then Lars yeah. comes in and how was that with Lars? Yeah, that, that was, that, that was cool. He knew, he knew who I was beforehand. Um, and he, he was like very thankful. And then he was joking around asking, saying, what else have you got off my top 10 missing list? And, you know, are you going to bring me back the crosses next year and stuff <laughs> like that? So, 
Um, it, he was really cool because, like, as you probably know with Lars, and he gets so much bad press, um, but he is so knowledgeable, um, you know, even watching the rest of my meet and greet. He, he would ask where people were from, and nine times out of ten, he knew where they were, and he's like, oh, yeah, we played, we played there in 89, or we played there in, you know, yeah, I mean, he, he was. He, he's really he's really impressive in that regard because he does that. He, at least he did that at the state shows, and I know you went to several. Is when we saw him in Detroit. Yeah. You know, he was like last time we were here. But he's like the first time we came to Detroit, we were across the street at the. He was naming the venues, the years, and I, at first I thought yeah. maybe he just like looks at their own website like before a show. <laughs> but, but but you're right because I've seen him do the. I've seen videos of the meet and greets, and it's like he's just got a yeah. lot of knowledge. I mean he. He'll yep. spitball with yep. anyone. He's Metallica's biggest fan. No. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> well, even in that, nice. you, you, I'm sure you've seen this kind of newish footage um, of the boys when Cliff was in the band around the Puppets tour, where they're taking those phone calls at that radio station. You know what I'm talking about, yep. Wayne? Have you seen that? Yep. Even yes, in that, I have. Yep. even in that video, Lars is going. So, what's your name? Where are you from? And you can whatever yeah. they say, like upstate New yeah. York. He's like, oh yeah, I know that area. And like he's even yeah. doing that then. Yeah. Yeah. That's then, just who that yeah. dude is. That's just who he is. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, and he, like I say, he, he was just so great. He was asking me, like, you know, um, you know, where I was from and stuff like that. And, you know, when I got into Metallica and stuff like that. So he, he, he was good in the sense that he didn't actually just sort of make it all about the backdrop. Right. He, you know, and usually, like, the guys, I would say, spend say like a minute with you a minute and a half but Lars did spend an extra couple of minutes with me so he was like it was really nice that's and, great man. and then like I say after the end of that Zach pulls me to one side and says James has asked to meet you wow, like, uh, uh, oh god here we go uh, yeah it's Especially, about the music it's about the music it's about well, the music hey, don't be a dick don't be a dick it. don't be a dick <laughs> yeah, well especially it. knowing Definitely. that he doesn't do the meet and greets I mean that's such right. a that's such Correct. an amazing treat yes all yes, right, so that how did was, that go? Um, Tell us about the old Papa Het hang. Yeah, so basically I was taken back to where, like, their um, sort of backstage area was. Um, he was actually eating. He was still eating because he, he came out in a pair of shorts and a T-shirt and still chewing on his last sort of, you know, mouthful of food. <laughs> um, what if like, he just took we, the chewed up bit out of his mouth? He's like, here, Wayne, thank you so much for this yeah, backdrop. Yeah, here you go. There's yeah. a little bit of chewed up steak. <laughs> this is for you. Put it on eBay, trust yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, and then, um, but it's funny because the night, the night before um, the, the lead show, um, I was actually on stage as well on at the Reading um, show, and I had my I had my like banner. Um, I, I had a UK torn banner with me, and I happened to be in the front row. And during Ride the Lightning, James, like during that tour, he kind of like every other show, I guess, he would kind of fall into the crowd a little bit and have a little, you know, like a thirty second moment yeah. right up with a fan. And it just so happened that he was right in my face the night before. So before we sat down, I actually said to him, I was like, um, yeah, Mr. Hetfield, before before we sit down, can I just show you this? So I got my phone out and showed him like a 10, 15 second clip from last night. And he was like, you're that crazy dude on, on stage. Cause like, <laughs> He's like, yeah, I think I spit in your mouth accidentally. That's how close <laughs> yeah, we were. No, that, that's usually what Lars does, isn't right. it? He yeah. likes to spit oh, into that's water true. people. Good God, that's true. Um, so, um, but he was like... 
he was just so super like cool and down to earth we had a good chat about um like cliff and his favorite band being thin lizzie and that how james actually owns the last uh the backdrop that thin lizzie last played behind wow. or in front of and he Probably was like behind, actually <laughs> yeah he he basically was saying that when you know when he saw the puppets backdrop how all those emotions and thoughts came back into his head Jeez. Um, wow. and stuff and he was just like he was just super cool he was again he was asking me where i was from um how long i'd been a fan um you know and it, again it wasn't like i don't know it was just it was just like the first couple of minutes i was shitting myself and so nervous <laughs> like you know um and um but then no and then like because literally they were so late arriving his like pa guy or his number two kind of thing after about 10 minutes he came up to him and said right james you're on stage in an hour he like whispered in his ear and stuff just to politely say look you need to you right. know kind of end, end this and he actually turned around to the guy and he was like no i'm not done yet oh cool <laughs> it's like yeah give me a few more minutes so, man that is so um, cool dude and it was funny as well because, like, I asked for a photo at the end, and I was like, um, "I promise I won't put it on social media, as I know that you know, out of you know your your own choice, you you don't do the meet and greet. So I I, I promise I won't I won't put it up. So I think for about six six months or so, something like that, that I never sort of had it as my Facebook profile picture. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then like. Once they did, um, I think, uh, Stefan Shirazi, he ended mm -hmm. up doing um, in the online. So what magazine he ended up doing an article and he actually ended up using that photo of me and James. Yeah, um, that, that's where I read. That's where I, yeah, that's where I read about it. I don't know if you remember one of our initial emails. You'd said that uh, we'd mentioned it in our back to the front episode. Yeah. And you had said you, you were surprised with so many details, but I've I read the Stefan article. Uh, right, yeah. One of there our listeners, go. it actually might have been Sarah, um, sent it to us. Gotcha. I okay. love I love yes. that Stefan dude. That dude is that dude is hilarious, man. Great writer, super funny. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's again like once you get to know a few. I, I'm lucky that I kind of do. I don't know everybody. I can't sit here and go, yeah, I know all the backstage crew. I know them all. As Stefan actually supports the same soccer team as me in in England, so I kind of know him a little bit. But he, he's another guy who's just so super laid back and yeah. will have you know he doesn't take himself. But when he needs to work, he obviously he's there and he's got his head screwed on, you know. And you know, having been front row at quite a few shows in the last couple of years. Um, like you get to see these guys in their work environment, you know. So, yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, Stefan's a really cool guy. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because when I when I Go think about rub, rubbing the Metallica genie bottle, which you kind of did, they're like, "What do you want?" Well, um, <laughs> As you yeah. wish. I I don't know if this would have been um, cavalier of me, but I might have asked for like. I would just have asked to go to every, like, can I basically go to any Metallica show? Now, is that yeah, something, have you, have you, do you have any sort of privilege like that at all? Or I know that some of our friends who go to a shit ton of shows, they've basically, they basically are able to go to kind of wherever they want to go, assuming they can travel and make Right, them. yeah. I've always paid, um, I never asked for any, it's always one of those things as well, because like with no, the you're cooler emails than me, Wayne. that were coming. Wayne's I kind cooler of, than me. No, no, honestly. <laughs> um, I, I it was one of those things after the event, I was like, oh, I wish I'd asked for that. I wish I'd asked for this maybe, you know, but 
like I say, I, I got my friends, I got two of my friends a meet and greet and, um, you know, five of us ended up on stage that night and, um, you know, I got to meet James. That's priceless, really. You, well, do you know what I mean? I so, totally yeah. agree. Let's, can we talk about the, so they gave, they did end up giving you a truckster guitar, right? Correct. So one of the other things, so the three things I actually asked for was, um, because that was the year where the So What magazine was uh it was the last year it was ever being printed so i did actually ask for my i was like i'd love a story in the so what magazine just to sort of have something to keep the physical yeah yeah Yeah, physical document but um, unfortunately by the time that had come through stefan had already written and all the content for them hence why you read it online Mm. um so and then i'd ask for a meet and greet and i did ask i i asked for a physical um, I did ask if it was a, if there was any chance I could have a signed uh, guitar. So that was the one thing that I I did ask for because again, it's it's really nice to have that at home and just as a nice little memento, you know. Yeah, absolutely. For I would have asked for James okay. Hetfield himself just to take him home. <laughs> yeah, and, that's it. Yeah, could could I have them for one hour to come and sign my collection? Might oh, I meant I meant like more forever. Than an hour, but no, he, you know. I think he did it full time. <laughs> I meant full time. Yeah. Like I, like he could show me how to keep Look, these and yeah, stuff. Here's the deal: I'll take tickets to the next show. I'll take a write up and so it magazine, sign guitar, and a Megadeth meet and greet. <laughs> <laughs> a Megadeth. That's it. Yeah, I want a photo in the middle of Mega Dave and James, please. Yeah, smiling. So, Wayne, are you amongst Metallica fans? I mean, this is how you were brought to us by our friend Sarah. Are you um are you yep. a bit of a living legend in the fandom in the Met Club? Uh, I'm probably to be honest with you, I'm quite marmite. You either love me or you hate me because I kind <laughs> of speak mum. I kind of you know I can't lie about that. I'm very lucky. Um, you know, like I say, in the past since 2014, I've probably done well. I did 24 last year. I've probably done 40 odd shows. So, um, I I've got I would like to think I've got a lot of good friends around around the world um in the metallica circle um Ooh. every time i come to every time i come to new york i always meet up with sarah another friend of mine called austin um i always meet up with like friends have traveled from philadelphia tracy and keith um you know i've got friends all over america that's um, awesome man well and sarah told us that uh when she went over to to the uk to kind of she went to multiple shows that you were sort of correct you sort of curated that trip for people how many people were on that trip <laughs> Um, in our minibus, we had nine. I think there was about 12 or 13 in our crew. So, yeah, I did like, and I think there was about six or seven Americans whose it was their first time ever seeing Metallica in the UK. So I did my best to help sort of book their flights and yeah, hotels. Man. And and you guys are probably doing, you guys are probably doing a lot of hanging outside the show too. I bet you guys get really tight just doing that. Oh yeah, we hired a we I hired a nine seater minibus and drove. So we did the two shows in London, and then we flew up to Glasgow, and then I hired a minibus. So then we drove like I think it was about three or four hours from Glasgow to Manchester. Yeah, and then we did the Manchester show, and then we went on down to Birmingham, and then like I drove a few of us back to um, to London at the end of it Man. for them to catch their flights so, home. So night two in London, you got to see the debut of Spit Out the Bone. Correct. Where yes, do you uh, love that song? I do too. Well, oh, that's great. I mean, yeah. that and moth. Tune. That and moth. Not only are my favorites off Highway, but like they're amongst my favorite Metallica songs. I are, loved. I loved. I loved Moth at first, but the one that's grown on me, having seen it sort of ten times live, is now that uh, now that we're dead. 
Oh, love that song. Love it too. What yeah. do you think Great. about the drums? I know that I've seen that picture of you with the big uh, drums. Are you into the drum section? Yeah, yeah, I was lucky enough to have a little backstage tour in in uh, in America in July. Um, it's hard for me because I saw 24 shows last year. Now, people might say that I'm spoiled and stuff like that. So it kind of like after a while, you kind of know what to expect. But sure. I've got a lot of friends especially in the UK shows in October, who just went to one show. And that was the first time they'd seen Metallica for, say, I don't know, three, four years or something like that. They're the people, in my opinion, who can judge. You know, I, I ask them, what do they think? Because my opinion is after two or three nights, you're so used to it. Right. It's, it's like songs like Sad But True, Enter Sandman. Now, don't get me wrong, in 1991, when I got first got that on cassette in august 91 i played it i remember only playing those two songs for the first three hours turning the cassette over fast forwarding to the end and playing those two <laughs> <laughs> so i didn't listen to holier than now until that evening <laughs> he hasn't actually heard holier than now until 2016 he's never heard struggle with <laughs> that's it. yeah that's it um so no, but I think you're right. I think I think it's important to remember that they're especially for us over here in the stadium tour. A lot of people bitch and moan about the all the black album tracks, but they're doing that show for the person that it may be their first and only time they get to see the band. Right? Yeah, they're not doing it for us nerds who see them all the time. Correct, and also as well, it was their first U.S. show, a proper tour since what 2008, 2009, right. and it was their first stadium tour um, since I think. Madly in Anger with the World Tour. I think they. I don't think they done stadiums on the World Magnetic Tour, did they? I think that was mostly arenas. Arenas. Yeah. It was mainly arenas. Yeah. Um, so, from that point of view, I it doesn't like you say that. And also, the, another thing that James does is he'll always ask how many people were here for their first Metallica show. Yeah, and it's usually half. It's. it's I'm always stood around people who are, uh, who it, whose first show it is. Right. So f from their point of view, you know what I mean? Uh, from Lars's point of view, when he's writing the set list, having Rome, it was Rome and Unforgiven that were real staples, weren't they? That on top of the sad nothing it was, and Sandman. That's right. It was Rome and Unforgiven. Um, um, so, f and, and the crowd go absolutely wild when they play them. Absolutely. Of course, I, I did. Uh, absolutely. I, I got to see them twice, once in the snake pit and then once out, out in the regular. And all nice. the Black Album uh, songs murdered. I mean, they were Correct. killer. Oh, yeah, they sounded great. They, they really do. It's the same with Hardwired, to be honest with you. That I'd, the only ones that they're flipping at the moment, Dream No More and Confusion, right. um, I don't. they don't go down massively well. But all the yeah. others... Re really do go down well I noticed that too like even surprisingly in the pit it was a little different because obviously it was 150 kind of diehards but I did notice at the, at the Detroit show that a song like Halo and Fire which I think is as good as anything they've done in a long time people were kind of snoozy the on that one people were kind of sleepy on that I one I love that song <laughs> I was so excited when it's they played amazing. it it's amazing the middle of that song where it just like the, where it sort of the tempo changes yeah. in it and that uh, I I th I think from that that second half of that song, is is amazing. You know, that's, that's a highlight track for me on Hardwired. I mean, to me, it's kind of like the, the like the fade to black of Hardwired. It's the fade to black moment, and they you know they, yeah. in Europe they they played Mankind a few times, which I thought was pretty dope. Yeah, yeah, Man Unkind, Man which Unkind. for me has the worst <laughs> worst worst solo that Kirk has ever done. 
I think I think Hardwired. <laughs> I think it's terrible. <laughs> I think Hardwired was a little bit of a missed opportunity from Kirk. We've talked about that a lot on our Hardwired episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say it's grown on me a bit his flavor of the record, but I still don't lo- love every solo. But there's certain ones that ha- that have you know, kind of yeah, th- 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 they've gone place. up. Yeah, exactly. I do hope that we get but to that, hear. But that's Kirk's. Car- I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Kirk's what? That, that that for me is again Kirk is like you, you all these keyboard warriors on social media Lars isn't the best crap drummer Kirk's uh, uh, you know he's not the best guitarist but those two guys have have fitted the songs so well oh I totally oh, yeah, agree of course I totally agree I don't you so, know uh, and I, I think that is Kirk's career personally and I think that's the biggest compliment that you can pay the guy do you know what I mean in that lead guitarist of the biggest metal band or one of the you know one of the top metal bands ever and he's still there you know 35 years later yeah still kicking ass it's amazing you know let me ask you this so a collector obviously you found the backdrop that was probably the holy grail for you but you don't have that any longer what's your favorite piece of uh your collection or maybe a few highlights that are pretty cool um if if you're not talking monetary value it's the live ship binge and purge box set because as a kid growing up um, without the internet and, you know, trying to find live material of your favorite band, when that got released in 1993, it just blew my mind like as heaven. a 16 year old. I remember, yeah, same deal. Oh, I, was, I was listening to that last night. It sounds incredible. It oh. sounds so heavy and aggressive. and oh. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's just amazing. So I absolutely, I've got, I've got quite a few different versions of the live ship binge and purge. It's one of it's one of my favorite things to collect, just because of that. Did I see in one of, of the like, photos that you sent of you holding one of the VHSs? Did you get that signed? Uh, yeah, that's actually the um, that's the DVD and CD set. So again, okay. I didn't go from I didn't go for monetary values uh, value items to get signed. I actually I, that was one of the two items that I actually got signed. Yeah. Man, Very cool. That's so cool. That's awesome, um, man. And I've recently just spent a ton of money on some original 1980s flyers. Oh, I um, saw those. We're going to put those pictures up too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. So man. I sent you the picture of the eight of the eight flyers. Right. Um, so that's pretty expensive. So, that kind of that kind of collecting level. Yeah, that yeah, the, you're not talking like fifty dollars each. That's for sure. They're a little <laughs> bit more expensive than that. So um, that was that was that was a nice chunk. Um, trying to think, what else do I love in my collection? Um, I, I've massive, I've massively got into the guitar pick because at the moment they're doing a an individual pick per show. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm up to around four hundred Metallica picks now. Wow, four hundred unique Metallica picks. Correct. Yeah, wow. four hundred different. But I'm I'm not even close. Again, when you start collecting, I could name five people off the top of my head that whose collection absolutely eclipsed mine in the pick right. collecting. But yeah, mine um, doesn't come close. Got- I think I'm at about thirty to thirty-five picks. <laughs> However, in, in that collection, I do I do I do have two uh, Jason Newstead Black Album era picks, which I thought were pretty cool. They're cool things to own, definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. I they, caught. They're I great caught- items. I caught the first pick that James threw out in the snake pit in Detroit, but I gave it away. Wow. To, I gave it okay. away to a friend of mine. They're in St. Louis, right? Oh, St. Louis, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, St. Fr- Louis. I was at the, I was at the Detroit show myself. Oh, you were? with Sarah, with Sarah and Pete. Yes. Oh yeah. wait, we saw wait, Sarah and Pete there. Wait, did we? Did we meet you beforehand when we were doing? Did, our, did you come to our our show that we did at Hockey Town Cafe with Sarah and Pete? Uh, 
No, I didn't. Why didn't I go to that? I went. I didn't go to that because I went to meet someone. <laughs> James Hetfield. <laughs> I, I, I just. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, me and James had a well, coffee. Well, but you know what? Did you go to another sort of pre-party with them? Because we saw them at a party when we were walking to the show. Yeah, we'd, yep. fin- we'd finished up our recording our show at, the, at that bar, and then there was like a hang right outside the stadium. That they were at. So you must have been there with them. So we... we, we yes, because... Our paths have I, crossed. I actually, yes, must have, because um, a co- another friend of mine, Keith, uh, he was actually at that show from Philadelphia. And I remember on the way to the stadium... He was in that bar where everybody was because I remember seeing Sarah and Pete in there as well as hmm. I was running into the venue. Oh, man. Yep. So, Two worlds um, but no, definitely, I'd, <laughs> I'd love to meet up with you guys one day. So Heck yeah, I'm man. pretty sure. Fingers crossed. Yeah, man. We, I, might have some, uh, we might have some North American dates very soon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a really close friend that now uh, it just started recently working for Metallica. So he told me he'd let me know whenever he finds out some dates. <laughs> But we're yeah, going to hit up crossed. multiple shows, probably not as many as you, but we definitely have plans to do some shows up in New England so we can hang out with Sarah and Gene. And, um, oh, be, yeah, Gene's lovely. Yep. yep. It'd be really fun to, to hang out in person and talk Metallica. Yeah, man. And, oh, dude, Wayne, thank you, for, thank you for coming on the show. What a unique story. What a cool perspective on the band. What an amazing collection. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I, we can't thank you enough. And, and the, the photos you sent us and, and what you have collected over the years is... It's it's truly amazing, and I, I I gotta I wish I wish my my wife would let me collect that much stuff. <laughs> I wish my wife would let me do a lot of things. <laughs> Luck, luckily, my girlfriend loves Metallica, and I'd collected most of it before I got with her. But she does she does laugh at me sometimes when packages arrive at her parents' house right. when I'm. It's like oh, shipping it from uh, from New from USA to London, darling. It's far too expensive. <laughs> right. Hey, just tell her it's, if she ever has a problem with it, it's. Just just an investment for the future. True. Oh my god, I I use that word all the time. She's like, you've got too much inventory. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can people uh, yeah, find no. you online? Let's say someone's listening from the UK and they may want to join the UK Torn, which is your chapter. So, are you yep, on you the can, socials? Can, yeah, we've got our own little group um, page. I think we've just got we've got over, just over three hundred people in that group. So, if you search on Facebook uh, for the UK Torn you will you will find us um, awesome. so like before the london show uh, last year we we did a meet and uh, we did a pre-party with a we got a metallica cover band from the uk called metal militia and these guys drove 300 miles to play um i hired out a little venue in london and we literally had about 75 of us in there wow. in a tiny little room and they played spit out the bone moth into flame <laughs> nice wired you know some real hot old cuts as well that the bands you know don't play anymore yeah. so it was, it was a great night it was a good start to the tour you know that's awesome man man i i, I you know i've talked to clint about this before i in the in the last couple of years i've been to london probably i don't know 20 times and i wish oh, wow. that this podcast had got was at the point it is now back then so I could have met up with gotcha. all, all you guys and all these different people that we've we've met along along we'll the way. A, we'll make a UK trip sometime. We'll do a whole UK tour. How yeah. about that? We'll just move to next the UK and live over, with Wayne. Next, we're going to move into Wayne's next garden. Next time you're over, I'll I'll take you around some of the London bars. Don't you worry about that. Good right. city. One of my favorite ones is there is a is it what Slim Jims? Yep, Slim Jims. Yep, I love I've that. I've got spot. a friend actually, the drummer of Raven Eye, a guy called Adam Breeze. He does a cute, he does like um, solo slots in in that bar. Oh, very cool. Um, every 
every so often and stuff so yeah slim jims is a great bar oh, there's camden did you ever go to the camden area oh yeah London? I go to camden all the time yeah the first time no. i ever went to camden i bought a pair of doc martens and a parka jacket because all yeah. i cared about yeah i go to i go to camden quite a bit when i'm there there's a killer wendy's there <laughs> <laughs> there's a, the best 7-eleven is there uh, so you heard it here, folks. Go check out Wynn. Go check out the UK Torn. Maybe if you're planning on going to shows in the UK or in the States later this year, fingers crossed that the yep. boys will be touring, we can all get together and rent a bus and we can just be like the Partridge fan, the Metallica Partridge fan. That's right. Um, Sounds good to me. Well, we're going to sign off here. Wayne, thank you so, again so much for being a guest on the show. We really appreciate hearing your story. We'll talk to you soon, dude. Thank you, guys. My pleasure. Thank all you right, very thank, much. Thank you. Cheers. Goodbye. Wayne Summers. What a cool dude. Man, cheery, a cheery bloke. Well, if you want me to return the Master of Puppet Spectrum, I'll do it. Just tell me and I'll do it. I'll do it, Paul. I'll do it, Paul. If you want me to play it, I'll play it. If you don't want me to, I'll go home. <laughs> what a crazy story. I, I know. Mean, just at a certain point, you, you find this thing on eBay, you don't win it, and then get in touch with the guy that bought it. He just happened to be the only guy from the from London who reached out. I know it's so. so awesome. Let me ask you this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna by proxy ask our listeners, and be honest. Okay, would you have given the backdrop back to the boys? Mm, maybe you know what? Because he said that one Metallica collector offered him a fucking blank check. Yeah. He said another dude offered him straight up ten thousand dollars. Right now, would you have accepted either of those or just kept it? Well, keep, keeping it for yourself, I, I feel like it's such a giant piece. You have to have a big fucking house to hang that thing up. <laughs> yeah, personally, I live in a, of your house. I live in a '50s brick ranch home in Nashville. The my ceilings are maybe ten. But feet. you wouldn't have just kept it like put up in a place of you know in a special spot, and you pull it out every once in a while in your backyard. I gave my, roll, roll around. Everyone, on it. come out in the backyard. <laughs> We're gonna roll around <laughs> on the backyard. Get on the backyard. We're gonna toss you up in the air. <laughs> um. You know, honestly, I, I, I feel like my heart says that I would have gone Wayne's route and contacted management just for the exciting fact that, you you know what, like, if I return this to the band and they realize that it's it's the one, I'll get to hang with them for a little bit and have a great experience that I'll never forget, rather than just having a box sitting in the corner like, yeah, that's Master Puppet's backdrop. No, you're right. It's only re really, really cool when you get to show someone. Okay. Other than that, it's just sitting so there. So we'll cross that out of you keeping it. Would you have sold it to another collector? No, I think I'd still would have given it to him. I yeah. think that's to me that would be worth more to to return it to its rightful owner and and I think this is real clear. You can get, understand Wayne's disposition. Like you can kind of hear what kind of a cool dude he is. Yeah. And I think you and I would fall into this too. We would get because I would I'm similar to you. I would I would I would wrestle with it, but I would ultimately give it back and not expecting anything in return, but knowing the boys, knowing right. that they're going to make it right. Well, and, it's, and and especially that backdrop, it's so sentimental to them. Thinking for what thirty years, it was just gone. Yeah, you know, and then all of a sudden, the 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 last backdrop they had while Cliff was still in the band reappears. Kind of what a, what a what a thoughtful thing Wayne did, and what a great memory for them. To, kind to of a have. cool way to, and I know we buy all the tickets, we buy all the records, but what a cool way to say thank you to Metallica. Mm -hmm. I think once I find all those crosses that have gone missing, <laughs> right? I, I keep looking on Craigslist in Nashville. You're going to come to HQ two, and there's going to be like fifty of them from my <laughs> exactly. house. Like, Dude, where'd you get these? Dude, you know what this means we're going to so many shows this fall. <laughs> well, write in to Mel Up Your Podcast Show and let us know what would you do. I mean, and be honest, yeah. it's an interesting topic. We can't all be heroes, can we? I can. <laughs> I'm going to strip say it. I would actually wear it as a cape as I walked up to the boys like, 
Here's your backdrop. Oh, it's being worn as a fucking cape. Yeah. Sorry, it's, it's, it's dragging through the mud right now, but. Yeah, sorry. Some of it got ripped to shreds by a dog that chased me down yeah. the, in my Nashville neighborhood. But, I wore it as a cape. But uh, yeah, write into us. Tell us what you honestly would do. If, if, and, and there's no right or wrong answer here. If you want to sell and make some money, that's your right because you bought it already, you know? So. Like, I wonder the dude who offered him $10,000, what was he going to do? Just keep it? Probably. Or was he saying, you know what, it's worth $10,000 for me to have it so I can return it to the boys? Exactly. Hey. But old Wayne Summers got to do it. Man, it was so cool meeting Wayne. I want to thank Sarah Sobeck for getting us connected to Wayne. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. I want to thank Wayne for taking time out of his day. He was in the States visiting his girlfriend up in New York to talk to us knuckleheads about Metallica. We appreciate it. We, um, It's looking like we're going to be seeing Wayne this year at some shows. We've, oh, I hope so, yeah. We've, we've kind of made a friendship with Wayne. And uh, here's your homework. Go leave us that iTunes review. We're going to give you some free shit for doing it. Uh, go go check us out on the Patreon and get access to that cover hour Black and EP and the Lunar Satan track, We Ride the Skies. What else can we say? Um, we can say, actually, I, it, since uh, it starts this Sunday, I could uh, mention- Let's talk about your tour. Yeah, me and Jack are going on the road. I talked about in the last episode, me and Jack from the band Bayside, who was also a guest on my other podcast, The Pirate Satellite, which you could check out. Uh, we're starting a little short run, uh, about a week's worth of shows. Uh, I've, I've already had a couple listeners hit me up and uh, do this, uh, trying to make it to uh, my Lexington show. That's great. Um, Darth Leviosa and um, Dina Dina are uh, coming to Chicago. Awesome, man. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm, I want to hang with some of our listeners. So if you uh, you can go to my website, ethanluck.com, and see all the dates. But I'm going to be in Chattanooga this, starting this Sunday, then Lexington, Chicago, Champaign, Illinois, and then Cincinnati. And I would encourage you guys to go, man, because you're, you're going to see Ethan and Jack uh, on a pretty unusual tour. It's very intimate. They're both playing solo. Yeah. Um, their records are kind of big and, you know, have lots of instruments and stuff, but yeah. they kind of found these really cool ways to bring that to an intimate setting. Yeah. Jack's just straight up doing just electric by himself. Awesome. I, I, all this week I've been building um, backing tracks. Yep. I was really hesitant about it, but um, I'm just doing two, two things, just like uh, programming some drums that are just brushes. So it's a little more mellow, and then just a bass track, and that's it. Cool. That's all I'm playing to, and not just so it'll sound kind of like a three piece. But it's a bitch and show, and it's it's gonna be fun. Yeah, chance for you to go go stalk Ethan, take take cut off a little piece of his jacket and put it in your butt. I don't know. Wow, I'm kind of scared to go now. Speaking of news of like what's going on in our musical lives, I signed my first publishing. Yeah, game. dude, congrats. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. So if you guys need to borrow any money, Clint <laughs> is the guy to talk to. Oh well, I did not get rich. He's making he's making dozens. No, it's exciting, man. I signed with uh, a company called Rough Trade. They're based. It's very in- exciting, dude. That's a. I mean, that's a huge opportunity for you. It's as, as a songwriter, Clint. You know, he, this guy works his ass off pretty much every day, writing songs to whether it's to get pitched for a TV show or for another artist to cut or something. So Clint and uh, what's her name, Elise? Elise Davis. Yeah. Uh, they, they write a lot together, and like, I mean, if you go to Clint's SoundCloud page, I mean, there's an unreal amount of songs on there. And I'm sure there's a ton that won't even see SoundCloud because they are trying to get pitched for something else. So it's, you know, as Clint's friend, it's an exciting thing for, you know, guys like me and Paul Moak to hear that, you know, it's that next step as a songwriter in Nashville. So congrats. It's cool, man. Thank you. So a lot of fun stuff happening. The boys are going on tour. We're going on tour. Yeah. We're writing songs and doing shit. It's neat. I might be on another tour in May uh, with the reggae band, the Grammy-nominated slash they won in 2016. Uh, I, I, I didn't think I told you I got hit up. They're doing a they're doing like a three week acoustic tour. Oh, cool! And they hit me up to play guitar on it. So I'll be I don't know any dates yet, but I'll, I'll announce that. And you can if you want to come to a reggae show and hang out, I'll be there. It's so good that we're going to be touring a lot this year, but I'm so scared that we're not going to be able to go to some of these Metallica shows. I know. God, damn you know it. what's going to be weird is doing another remote episode. We haven't done that since like since November, uh, October, October. Hmm. I got I got back from tour November fifth, I believe. Okay. See, it's been since October. 
We'll probably do our first one next week in a while because you'll be out with Jack. Yeah, I'll be gone, yeah. Oh, speaking of next week, um, we are sitting down with our friend Matt. Yes. Who last year on the stadium tour uh, was on the pyro team. He was on the pyro team for the stadium U.S. tour, and uh, I met him through our mutual friend named Wes, and we're having him on the show just to kind of just to talk about his his role, what it means to, to be a pyrotechnician, what his job entailed for Metallica, and he's going to walk us through. Do. Like he's got a bunch of great details about like how much gasoline they get a day, how they even get that, how they even get the fuel to the venue. They do it on these big pallets. Yeah, Matt has to call these places and go, "Give me fuel." <laughs> That's a, ooh, yeah. Give me fuel, yeah. I'll give you fire, and give the fans that which they desire. They're like, that's going to be $75,000. He goes, ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> white knuckle tight. But that's going to be a fun episode. Uh, it's our first Metallica former crew member. Yep. Um, and, you know, and, and Matt's somebody that, you know, uh, he may correct me on this, but, or what's considered a vendor. He works for a pyro company. Based in Nashville. Yes, and that company, uh, I'm sorry, Metallica's camp hires that company right. for that. So he isn't, he's technically employed by Metallica by way of his company but um so yeah he's not with them anymore he, he's on i think he's going out to do um yeah who's he, is he with taylor uh, now he's going to do taylor swift on yeah. her tour yeah but yeah so we'll have matt on next week and uh he's a great dude lives right here in nashville and uh, or he's in clarksville i think yeah and uh it's yeah it'll be a fun conversation cool all right let's get it the hell out of here okay i'm, I'm ready peace adios <laughs> Advice or what would you say? Then I would say, delete that. <laughs> <laughs>